figure it out. Local recording. No, 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 no! Ah! Hi, this is Dale Leader, designer of TRS-80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Coco Talk, the only show in the world featuring David Ladd. It's time to grease your weasel and do whatever yo pleasel, because we're about to rock your 8-bit world. All right, we're here. The show has begun, and we've already got some early birds out there. Sixie is out there. Kevin Holloway is out there. Half the panel is out there. Uh, on the Twitch, on the YouTubes, on the Facebooks, they're out there. We're here. Let's say hi to our panel another week. Oh, Amigos Retro Gaming just showed up there. Hello, Amigos. Boat Aaron. Uh, Retro Rewind CA is out there. My goodness, that's just a star-studded audience at this point. David Craker is out there. Yes! At this yes. point, we just, just swap, let them run the show, and we'll Yes. Work. So on our panel, uh, we have some of the regulars, some of our usual suspects. Um, our resident Apple guy, the guy who puts links in the chat and moderates and monitors and all those good things, Mr. Mark Overholzer is here. Hey, Marco. Glad to be here, as usual. He's from Canada. He does our Game On results and has his own little thing going on YouTube. Ken Waters, a.k.a. Canadian Retro Things, is here. Oh, hey, that's me. Hi. How's it going, eh? Yeah, good, eh? Oh, it's a beauty, eh? And uh, Tom Eric Gunderson has just joined us, along with Jim Rye. Uh, also from O Canada, our foreign correspondent, news anchor, and fan of Nitrous Nine, Al Curtis Boyles here. How's it going, E? I'm more than a fan. <laughs> Welcome, yes, everyone. you are. He oh liked it so my. much, he built the operating system. <laughs> I'll rebuild. I get, like, uh, gets credit for the original. Who was, who was the guy? Was that guy, what was it, Gillette or Schick Ragers or one of those guys? It was, was uh, like, Victor Kayam and Remington Razor. Remington Razor. I, I liked it so much, I bought the company, huh? So, yeah. <laughs> Looks like he's on a very important phone call right now. I believe uh, this could be have something to do with, uh, I don't know price of gas or something important like that but mark bosley is our backup streamer and engineer he's back there doing important things uh we have our coco fest representative storm chaser and my um roommate slash snuggle buddy when we go out of town on these events grant leedy is here how you doing grant he's muted but that's okay he sounds better that way he looks better in the dark, and he sounds better when he's muted. It's Grant Lady, everybody. All uh, right, there we go. I'm, I'm here now. <laughs> so you, he's your strong, silent snuggle buddy. <laughs> so I say hi to everybody, and don't forget, we do lose an hour tonight. Oh, my. No, we don't. Oh, you guys do. Yeah. Mm. 
This guy's got his own website that has keyboards and network adapters and cables and all kinds of hoozy what's it's Rick Eulens here. How you doing, Rick? Hey, hey, it's twelve degrees out. Can spring be far away? Ooh. He's in Arizona. He's got one of them there telescope thingies, and he's also got a garage. It's rendezvous. <laughs> yeah, he, he waved at the camera. He said he had to go away for a little bit. I don't know if he caught that, okay. so I'm not sure if he's back yet. Another one of our chat moderators and also uh, also helps out welcoming people to our Discord server and so many other things behind the scenes. Alan Murphy's here. Hey, Alan. Howdy, howdy, everyone. And there's a guy who makes games. Many of his games are cheap knockoffs, but all of them help fuel those Ferraris. The Thunder from Down Under, Nicholas Morantes. Good eye. Hey, that, that's all the regulars are out of the way. Now for the irregular. <laughs> hey, everyone. <laughs> I don't see David Ladd on the panel. What are you talking about? <laughs> So there we go. There's our panel introductions. We um, we also did a kind of, since we don't have an interview this week, but we do, we do have one next week. Matter of fact, why don't we, we'll do it again on the commercial break, but why don't we go ahead and tease next week's interview here real quick. So hold on one second. We're going to do that, play that promo. fun on March 19th. Is it more fun than playing video games with you? A little. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Of course I want to do something fun. We're going to be on an interview show. Ooh, is it going to be Ryan Reynolds interviewing us? It's going to be L. Curtis Boyle. And they're both Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> I love L. Curtis Boyle. Count me in. So on March 19th, tune in to the Coco Talk podcast on YouTube at 1 p.m. And you can find out about our show, Sibling Rivalry, and get all the hot and juicy details. Why is it always juicy? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there you go. And okay, here's- All the hot chicks drink cocoa. Uh. Yes. <laughs> Here's, here's to our uh, sibling rivalries here. A little cocoa sippy here for you. Mmm. Oh, yeah. So that's our that's going to be our interview next week. So uh, we're going to hear about the sibling rivalries and, and their whole experience doing that stuff. We'll be hearing a bit about it today because they released a new video uh, for another cocoa game. So. Ah, wonderful. We've also been joined by Scott Cooper, Tasman, in the live chat. Hey, Scott. And um, yeah, so last week we just did a little thing before we went into, into the results because we don't have a guess or anything like, you know, uh, what do you want to call it? The potpourri discussion of whatever happened this week. This is not necessarily project updates and acquisitions, but anything happened this week that you did that maybe you want to chat about for a brief moment. Uh, I had the pleasure of paying a dollar more per gallon for gasoline on Friday when I had to fill up. So that was always fun. Um I don't know about you guys. Anything else exciting happened this week with any of you all on the panel? Wow. Real showstopper there, huh? Dead silence. Nope. It was, it was busy with boring. work, and that's the same yeah. thing I've been saying for a month. So put, put the brakes on that segment real fast, right? That one just, that, that thing, uh, this crashed harder than a uh, nightmare highway. <laughs> You've got to yeah. tell us. 
bit of time to do something interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. I mean, Rick can promote his uh, online store and stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. We, well, that, yeah, he, we, he can. You might as well. And then we'll get into that again, hopefully, um, when we do our project updates and acquisitions, because Ram Delvo got something from your store. You want to do that real quick? You want to tell us about your website there, uh, Rick You. Well, basically, um, ComputerConnect.com is my old Connect store that I used to, you know, please allow four to six weeks for delivery through the mail from, except I don't have to Xerox a whole bunch of uh, flyers and send them out every month. So that's working out well. Of course, I've got to now learn how to manage a website, which is a whole new thing. Right. Uh, but in any case, we're, we're starting to delete the cheesy photos and put in more actual content. Um, got a little blog section where I hype my products and explain how they work. And, uh, okay. Blog that, section. Oh, key fix. Mylar keyboard replacement, which we'll be hearing from Rondo Vo. Uh, he posted that on Facebook, too. So, so that's you cool. Can, you can go here and read more about what I'm trying to sell and do you want it or not. And... Uh, there you uh, go. Yeah, and we should mention you've got not just stuff you manufacture yourself, but you're also selling like old software. Yeah, and... we've got Coco ROM packs. We've got uh, Coco Two discs. Some of them are still sealed or opened, and you 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 note the condition. But uh, yeah, so there's a lot of uh, new and old uh, old new stock or new old stock, whatever you want to call it. Uh, stuff you can get for Coco 2, Coco 3, Coco 3 discs. You've got pages of this. Tandy Color Computer 3 Multiview. Color Computer 3 OS 9 DynaCalc. Home <laughs> Publisher. Phantom Graph. you got uh, tons of stuff here. So, yeah. So, this is a website of, of many, many splendors, right? So, that's cool. So, uh, Computer Connect with one end. That's Rick Yu's site. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting that new clicky keyboard Mylar replacement. Um, uh, when you get the Coco Connect uh, network adapter working, I'm sure a lot of people will be interested in doing some fun things with that. I know you demoed some of that at uh, Coco Fest last year. You had a website running on a server and, and that you pulled up on a Coco, so that was kind of cool. Uh, yeah, we are, we, are, we are narrowing that one down. I have... I actually have a Coco that doesn't work with my adapter in it. So I now have the main thing I need to figure out what's wrong with it. Because it, it seems like uh, four out of five work. What okay. does the fifth one work? Okay, well, now I've got a computer that it doesn't work on the, so I can scope it out and figure out what the heck I'm doing wrong or it's doing wrong. Or There you go. Very cool. It should be my, my goal is by the Coco Fest, all of these things should be done, and I should be on to new things. All right, <laughs> Tim Franklin has joined us. Hey, Tim Franklin, how you doing? Um, so yeah, a little plug for Rick Yu's website there, Co uh, computer connect with one end.com. Check that out. We've got uh, a number of computer vendors, and you also have on there the fact that you will do repairs. So um, if somebody wants to contact you for repair, like a 6309 uh, upgrade, things like that, they can contact you to arrange for that service. Um, exactly. That is one, that's one great thing about coming to Cocoa Fest is there's usually a handful of handymen there with their soldering irons um, that can help with these repairs and upgrades. And you can do it on the spot. Don't have to worry about shipping and this and that and the other. Yep. Um, 
And uh, so I remember Sloopy was busy doing stuff. I know Mark O is doing stuff. Rick can do some stuff. Then we've got Cloud9 there. There's always a handful of people who are handy and William willing to help out in that regard. Um, so cool stuff. A little plug for Coco Fest. And since Grant Leedy's here, it's in my contract. And I have to do nice. that too. Um, yeah, it's great. It's great having that kind of a service where you can actually do it on site because a lot of people are nervous. Like they've only got one cocoa. It's working. What happens if it just gets damaged shipping? You know, nothing to do with the person trying to fix it. But if it gets, we've seen horror stories and stuff shipped through eBay and stuff where like the case is cracked and motherboard's cracked and you can't really fix that. So bring it in person. You can watch them do it. Not too much because it might make them nervous and then mm -hmm. they'll fix it for you right on the spot. Yes, that's one of many good reasons to come to Coco Fest. Um, all right, well, I think we've uh, spitballed enough here, enough filibustering and philandering here and meandering and loitering. How about we just get on then to uh, most popular segment of the show, the uh, High Score Challenge and Game On Results segment. Uh, we played a very interesting game this week, an Omega Race style game. Um, I don't think we have a game-inspired Cocoa Thought, so I dug deep into the archive and I just pulled up one of the many greatest hits from the Cocoa Thoughts collection. So we'll start off with a little Cocoa Thoughts, we'll get into the results, and then we'll share our thoughts on that game. And here we go, boys and girls. And now, Cocoa Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. Some people wish the cocoa came with hardware sprites. I don't understand. Why not pixies or fairies? All right, everybody, get ready for the game on results with Canadian Retro Things. You guys ready to get your game on? Welcome everybody to the results of this week's Coco Talk Game On Challenge of the Week, where we played Space Race. There were a total of 20 participants. We had Ron Delvo with 300, Pedro Pena with 1300, Taylor from the Taylor and Amy Show, 2225, Mark B, 2425, Amy from the Taylor and Amy Show, 3900. Mr. Dave, 6309, 4,600. Brian Walsh, 5,000. David Craker, 5,400. Marcy, with AC's 8-Bit Zone, 5,600. 8 Bits in the Basement, 6,625. Gary M., 9,000. Rich N., 9,200. Kathleen, 9,400. Jim Rye, 16,625. Canadian Retro Things, 19,150. Tom C, 22,925. These are some good scores. Sloopy Malibu, 30,775. AC's 8-Bit Zone, 41,875. L. Curtis Boyle, 47,675. And the number one score this week was Tasman Scott Cooper, wow. with 55,850. Thanks to everybody that played, and we will see you next week. All right, congratulations, Tasman Scott Cooper. That's a phenomenal score. I just started playing this morning. <laughs> so 
<laughs> I had got it fired up on the Cocoa Pie. It's very hard to play on an Xbox 360 joystick. So then I went switch to keyboard, which is a little bit better, but not as responsive. Uh, I think my best score was about 1,800. So I was in the really low end of the spectrum. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, of the some score. of those uh, upper scores were definitely uh, very good. Oh, absolutely. Actually, so. just you, you definitely Curtis. want an analog joystick for this one because you yeah. don't just have eight positions. You have many. Yeah, that's what I was noticing on the uh, on the Xbox 360 controller, the Xbox style controller I had on my uh, Cocoa Pie. Somewhere I've got the USB to Cocoa thing that I somebody had sent me years ago. I just can't find it, but I'm looking forward to being able to plug. I have real hardware, but it would be nice to be able to plug Cocoa joysticks into Cocoa Pie for some quick and quick and easy Coco gameplay. I just got to find that doohickey. Um, and that's the second best thing to have in a real Coco, right? It would be a Coco Pie with Coco joysticks. Um, cool. Well, I'm not sharing the screen, so I don't know if there's anything you need to share, okay. well, Mr. Um, uh, Mr. Things. How about we take a look at some reviews? At some reviews. Oh, my. There are a number of reviews for this. Okay. I will start with the worst one, I think. Uh, yeah, Hot Cocoa. From September of 1983, um, this author found Space Race to be a poor game. Uh, for, <laughs> the keys <laughs> keyboard, are too widely separated for easy control. Yeah, and there's uh, 16 skill levels with very little difference between them. I don't know, Curtis, you played on level 15 oh, you know, there's, during there's the live stream. differences between them. <laughs> and, I uh, would not recommend it was his bottom line, huh? <laughs> What a Space douche. Race, difficult without <laughs> offering the player the feeling of control. Don't I like it's one there. The action of the game is so fast it's hard to keep track of which key to press when. Okay, so basically the guy's got zero dexterity. Yeah, um, then basically the guy's like 105 and he plays yeah. chess normally. So well, I think it's I a female. It's Beth Norman wrote okay. this. Uh, so. Uh, Mm. Yeah, just I, I, I just don't think they're really good at arcade games. <laughs> so to on to it's a better fast. review from Color Computer News. Well, actually, this one was just basically a um, hashing of what the game is. Um, but uh, a, a positive spin on it. The keyboard offers precision ship control and tactical play, while the joystick makes riotous whir whirling and careening race. So the complete opposite of the previous review. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, everybody's entitled to their opinion, and that's definitely what makes the world go round. But um, and, you yeah. go back to the back screen, uh, one screen earlier, uh, there's a better game reviewed right above it. <laughs> <laughs> Defense. Yeah. Didn't cover that one, so I, I didn't actually read that one. But anyways, uh, this person, the thing they really liked about it is that when you bought it, they actually provided you with the starting, ending, and executing addresses. So you can make backups uh, or move it to a disc, because this was a cassette game. Mm. Yeah, it was later sold on disc too from Spectral, but initially it was cassette only. So, uh, not really saying out and out that it's a great game, but uh, mostly positive in that one. And then, um, did you see the shipping and handling as a dollar? And it, ah, what am I doing here? You're trying to Cancel. save a PDF file. I know. I'm trying and to get away. You're failing miserably at it. So, uh. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> now, Rainbow of April eighty. Ken versus uh, Acrobat Reader. So, so far, score is one Acrobat, zero Kens. <laughs> yeah. I don't get this. If it's not an eight-bit computer, I get lost. So, <laughs> okay, okay. So, uh, this is the Rainbow of April eighty-three. 
this person really liked the game. Um, it's a winner for action lovers, and they got hooked on it. And generally, he didn't like shoot 'em ups. Um, and uh, the Karg, which is his kids and wife, loved the game. Uh, but the documentation could be improved because it is not presented in a very logical way. Okay. Uh, that's his only complaint. And he's a video game cynic, and the worst he can say is the ins instructions are illogical. So this is a good one. Okay. Is his last name Spock by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that is that one. Um, okay, now... We also right, Spock had a, his first name. I don't even know. <laughs> it shows you what a good Trek just fan I am. Commander right? Spock. Commander I think Commander's Spock. his yeah. first name. <laughs> uh, we did have oh, share sound. Okay, so we had a. Uh, I'm stealing a little bit of news from uh, Curtis here. Uh oh. Uh oh. A copyright and strike. On the Taylor and Amy show, they got their Coco SDC from Retro Rewind this week, so they tried it out and. Uh, one of the things they tried out was playing Space Race. And we'll just play a little bit of it here. Jay. Ah! You're up what? here. Wait, you're that guy. How do you do things? You're the blue guy. Now, um, does anyone know? Your joystick is in the wrong spot. Oh, no! So, <laughs> <laughs> joystick's in the wrong spot. So. You need a, you need a uh, uh, Joey joystick controller. They Another. actually turned the computer off to uh, change it, but as Curtis mentioned in the comments, you can hot swap joysticks on the code. Well, better safe than sorry, right? When you're not sure. I've done it for 40 years, never had a problem, never yeah. known anybody's had a problem, but you don't need to swap. Uh, or power off. So, and they did have a little bit of problem with their... They figure it's their video cable, so um, fix it with. Yeah, a, she took a diving weight. A diving weight. <laughs> Press to it fix down the computer. So disconnect. Um, but as you can see, they are playing on a uh, Black Beauty, so Black Beauty. that is not a particularly easy way to play this game because uh, having the self-centering deluxe joystick is much better, and because you just cannot plug Patrick Ulan's uh, website enough. You can buy a uh, joystick. That's right. The brand new uh, PC Junior. Brand new. If you, if you can't afford the price of the $100 plus Canadian that they're charging for the old 40-year-old Tandy Deluxe Joysticks on oh, eBay, yeah. then you can get it a brand new one from Patrick. I got a couple of those beauties, and I'm a big fan. And I have to say, Taylor's strategy here is one I've yeah. never seen before. Oh, spinning in circles? <laughs> this is, this is Just the hold down the fire strategy. button and spin around, huh? Yep. Yeah, this you is the asteroid spin strategy. Spin me right round, baby. Looks like right uh, Black round. Beauty abuse. <laughs> <laughs> she that is actually recorded. how I used to play asteroids. She's she's holding yeah, that joystick so. like those memes of the, of the ladies holding the soldering irons from the hot part, right? <laughs> Sideways, the button's on the side. She's just like... <laughs> Her hand, her hand was crabbing. It's like a hand crank joystick. It's like, yeah, I'm trying to power yeah. this thing up here. <laughs> it's running one of those old. I was sirens. surprised at how successful that strategy worked, though. Yeah. So it's a great video. Um, I do suggest uh, going and watching it because, uh, yeah, it's uh, very typical in their style of a lot of uh, mayhem. Okay. Cool and stuff. Funny. So that is that one. Now, let's see. Now, I will switch on to the live. Live coverage. Coverage, because I don't think, think Sloopy is here, is he? 
Sloopy, uh, Sloopy has left the building. Mark Siegel has stopped by. Hello, Mark Siegel. Good to see you. So here we actually had a very good turnout for the live show this week. Oh, uh, look at that. We had five or six you players. You had a good turnout and you even had Curtis. And <laughs> you get to see my concentration face, yeah. which is just <laughs> stupid. Curtis, Curtis figured he does not get enough airtime with the news, so... He wanted uh, his face on. No, I was trying to encourage stage. people that, you know, you can share your video so you can watch the stupid reaction faces I do. Don't feel bad if you have ones, too. That, that was just kind of self-sacrificing myself there. But, uh, yeah, we got to watch Curtis get some fairly high scores there, which we were pretty sure was going to be the winner until uh, Tasman, Tasman came in. Came in huh? Swooped in and stole the uh, prize from you, Curtis. Yeah, that's fine. John Mouts has just joined us. Okay, Fractal. That must be either Taylor or Ta Taylor or Amy. I'm not sure which one Fractal is. Is that? Um, that's Amy. I Amy. Think. Amy. Okay. Hey, Fractal. Oh, that that's. Um, it says we weren't taking any chances with the joystick. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It was fun playing this game. I, I, we'll get into some strategy tips and stuff in a, in a bit here. But one thing I totally had forgotten because I literally have not played this game in 20 years. It used to be a favorite of mine as a kid. I just don't know why, but I've never really played it since. But I'd forgotten that if after you get to the phase where you have to shoot the them twice to kill them, mm. that you sometimes get those screens where the walls disappear. It becomes asteroids on steroids. Okay. I totally forgot about that until it happened to be in the game, which means I lasted like five seconds. <laughs> And it definitely oh, speeds yeah. up. Like level fifteen is basically is if you went through it speed wise, because they definitely speed. Especially that uh, what do they call the uh, what are the shapes called that Amy and Taylor use? That was quite uh, there was the meatballs, the interest <laughs> meatball. pieces. Yeah. That's I called that one the semi graphics piece because it just came out of nowhere. It looked like a little semi graphics block. But yeah, Tetris piece is a good name too. The block, the block yeah. that poops out Tetris pieces. <laughs> the, <block. Yeah>. the, <laughs> the live commentary is hilarious. You got to watch the video. Yeah. <laughs> so why why didn't they put space race in the middle of that black box? Uh, the, yeah, it's some unused uh, real estate there. there. I would have. Well, they were uh, just yeah. They could have yeah, put the I'm, score and the uh, men yeah, in they the could've. middle. It's, yeah. But, yeah, because that never changes, right? That center box is always there, right? Well, well I guess except when it disappears. Oh, okay. So the, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, All I don't right. know if you can find where I. Did you have me ever zoomed up when I was on that section, Ken? Uh, I don't know if you lasted Slippy. long enough to get zoomed up. Well, Slippy. no, actually, I actually won the one one time. I actually made it all the way through, but I don't remember when that was. I think when you came back in the second time, you might have. Hey, DeBruce Moore has joined us. Hey, Bruce. They should have put the score display in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, but when the walls disappear, the whole screen, everything. Yeah, then the whole the screen thing. becomes. Ah. Uh, th yeah. So, so unless you want to like change the layout every time that screen happens, right? I kind of understand so that's why. probably why. Attack force completed. Yeah. Now you hit them, they hollow out the meatballs. Yeah. And now you've got. Oh, you hollow meatballs. Twice. I'm just going back, just going through here. Yeah, this was definitely a good. Uh, man, four hours. You had four hours of you. Nut jobs playing this game. That's impressive. <laughs> I don't see anywhere where we actually caught you close up on the uh, footage oh, there. So, because I only managed to clear that wave once, even though I made it to it, I don't know, probably half a dozen times or so. I'm sure there is a couple of shots of you when you're in the uh, small screen, but I can't scrubbing through it. I can't see anywhere. So, 
Um, but yeah, so for tips and tricks on this game, um, yeah, don't die. <laughs> it's uh, but uh, avoid yeah, it's, the Tetris pieces. It's very chaotic, and uh, if you're going for score, actually um, getting it down to just the the square block left and letting him poop out some of the Tetris pieces and killing them, they're the highest point value. Oh, so. okay. No, but Ken, if, I can't remember how much are the meatballs versus the square boxes. Now, uh, the meat, meatballs are 100, the square boxes are 400, and the Tetris piece is uh, 600. Now, yeah, do, we know, are... do we know, um, anatomically, since we're not familiar with the physiology of that square box, is it pooping or is it possibly uh, child-rearing? Is it giving birth to these Tetris pieces? Um, you'll have to we're, ask we're Amy not, and Taylor. Yeah, we'll have to ask Amy and Taylor. It, it could be birthing that... Tetris, but you could be shooting newborn baby Tetris pieces for all we know. That just gives a whole new... Uh... Whole level new, of just wrongness. Yeah, just wrongness. Right <laughs> <laughs> but but to be fair, the little bastards are shooting at us, right? So f them. <laughs> it's a lot more fun to think that you're just uh, shooting giant turds that are shooting at you. Yeah, I never did like Tetris anyway, so they all deserve to die. <laughs> uh, good times. Good times. I don't know. Anyway, I'll, I'll give some tips. So the, yeah. the the box thing can both spawn mines, which are those little X's that show up. Um, Percent signs. Those those bombs will continue over to the next level once you clear a wave, which means you can run into them and die. So if you're near the end of a level and you've only got one or two things left to shoot, try to clear those out first or clear them right after because it does that little explosion long sound effect for a couple seconds. If you can kill all off all the uh, mines, then you don't have to worry about them on the next level. So that, that's a big strategy tip there, because otherwise you get too much stuff to get a dodge. And don't try to collect those mines, because it will kill you. <laughs> yeah, that was another Amy and Taylor inspired. Yeah, the first time I saw that, it looked like a little dollar sign or something. I thought, oh, let me just pick that up, and boom, that was not I it. think they're, they're thinking it might be a free man or something, so. Yeah, look at this screen that's on here right now. This is just insane. There is so much stuff going on here. Lots of meatballs bouncing around. Yeah. Curtis, any other uh, trips? Well, there's several. Uh, since the box is worth 400, every time you kill a box when you still have meatballs left, as soon as you kill it, one of the meatballs will mutate into a box. So if you want to get high scores, you can just sit there and pick off the box every time so you get 400 points versus 100 points. So that's mm -hmm. another score strategy thing. Uh, the other thing is, too, is I see a lot of people just either stay in one spot or they fly, you know, right around the space race you know area which i don't know why you call it space races and racing but what i find much easier is i just kind of like fly one direction usually vertically or just horizontally vertically off the start and then let go of the thrusting part of it and then just aim to the right and hold on the fire button so you're doing a sweep where you're kind of sweeping across or sweeping vertically or whatever and then you just kind of take out in waves like that and that seems to work much much better and i think Oh, see, this is the empty screen now. Yeah, here's the empty screen. Ah, found oh, it. yeah, this is asteroids <laughs> on steroids. Holy crap, look at that. Oh, and that, and boom, it's over. Oh, no, okay. Yeah. I only wow. made it through once on that, so. Wow. Yeah, that looked pure evil. But here you can see my strategy. Like, I'll just kind of do a sweep and just keep firing, and then you just kind of, like, you know, get around yeah. the uh, things there. So rather than flying willy-nilly where you have almost no control of what you're doing, kind of, like, and, and use the bouncing to your advantage too. Like I'll sometimes flap and bounce off the wall and keep doing the sweep firing. So I'm going up and down. You can also hug the uh, center part 
and then kind of like if one of the box or one of the other things is coming up slowly if you're right against it you can usually rapid fire and shoot it before it actually can get up to the level where it can shoot you so you can just take it out there's a bunch of little strategies i was actually kind of remembering them as i was playing it like i said i haven't played it in 20 years but i used to be pretty good at it back in the day well when it goes to full screen the do things just wrap around the screen yes oh yeah bullets wrap around aliens wrap around and the meatballs wrap around i'm permanently okay. calling the meatballs now i think Marine that's meatballs, awesome yeah. cheerios lots of different names there um yeah cool and there is an axis on it that uh if you stay on one side of the box, the little Tetris piece will follow you if it's on the other side, on the bottom. So if you go to the left, it'll go to the left. If you go to the right, it'll go to the right. Yeah, so you can kind of steer him around, especially in the episodes. It's kind of like the International Dateline and Defender, if you guys know about that. Because then you can kind of keep him at bay, the, the Tetris piece, because that's the, the worst enemy. Especially if you're up to, like, level 15 or if you've lasted quite a few levels. He speeds up a lot, and he just tracks you down and fires like mad. And the actual the shooting AI on this is pretty darn good for the uh, time because it seems to be very good at anticipating where you're going to be and firing in that area. Hey Nick, yeah. when you when you uh, ask questions about this game, is it because you're getting angles for your um, your new game that's going to be similar <laughs> or different or? You kind of wonder. Coming soon from Nick Morenti's, a cheap semi graphic knockoff of uh, (laughs) Space Race. Space Race Part (laughs) 2. Well, you can tell he uses the uh, the red uh, full bite blocks as uh, as border markers. Um, So, yeah, by taking the, uh, the red borders away, everything just, there's no boundary. Right. Which means he could have designed the game to have different patterns on the screen then. Well, yeah, it's true. It's an arcade game more so, right? Yeah, yeah. the original yeah. is just like this. It's, yeah. it's just vector-based, yeah. But I think with the engine he's got in there, he could have had... Uh, yeah, know, different playing fields. Yeah, it could have got yeah, expanded on the uh, original. Sounds like a part two to me, Nick. Yeah. Well, that'll be my version. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was also trying to cram this into 16K too, so... Crikey. One of the early ones. I mean, this one came out near the end of 82, and I'm trying to remember, when did the original Mega Race come out? It wasn't it early 82? Like, he, this was turned around pretty quick. Yeah, around the 81, 82. Yeah. There's a lot of crap going on on the screen right now. This is insane. Yeah. It gets, it ramps up really fast. And uh, apparently it gets even harder after 50,000. It is a pretty well done uh, arcade conversion, except for the sound. Well, it's that standard spectral sound. They had the same sound routine they yeah. wrote, you know, in 1981, and they just kept reusing it over and over. <laughs> if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Yeah. But it's it's a fun game. It plays smooth. It it captures the arcade pretty and close. It's fast. It plays fast. Yeah, I mean, level 15. It kind of simulates if you're up at 50,000 points because that's how fast the aliens start moving. Because the the, uh, the skill level or the level of difficulty is basically the speed of your opponents. Mm-hmm. Now, for anybody in the panel who's played other versions of Omega Race on different platforms, because it was officially ported to a ton of machines, um, what what is your feelings of this version, unlicensed versus the the official ones? Well, I played it a lot on the ColecoVision myself, and recently I played it on the uh, Vic Twenty, and 
it took some getting used to on the control scheme for this because both of those versions had more of the asteroids control scheme where left and right spins your ship <clears throat> up thrusts you so, okay yeah because this so one just, actually it goes the direction you're pointing it goes in the direction that you push yeah. the the joystick so it took some getting used to i think that was my biggest hurdle when i first started playing this game is i did a playthrough on my channel for like about an hour and i don't think i got over like four thousand points so by the time the end of the week came i was used to the control scheme and got a bit better score but it took a while really the coco version would be the better control scheme yeah i, I agree i don't i don't agree actually I like well, you're wrong. Scheme. I like the control <laughs> scheme on the other one better. Let me tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> just, just because I'm so used to playing asteroids, it it was like, yeah, it was very asteroids-like in that one, and you, uh, it was easier to um, bounce off the walls and turn your ship to fire at them and like drift sideways. See, when I when I played, I can't remember if it was the Clicker Vision or maybe the Vic Twenty version. I also played too, but it, the the, having to rotate your ship, like move it left to right to rotate, and you have to rotate, say, 180 degrees, it takes some physical time. This way, I could just instantly flick the joystick, and I'm facing the other direction. So to me, it was it was much more responsive, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. I guess that's that's a positive, being able to flip your direction. And I did try playing but... this with a Black Beauty, because that's what I played it back in the day with. And I did get, I think, 17,000 points. But my Black Beauty, I found out the stick's a little bent, so it kept screwing me up where I was trying to center it. <laughs> I didn't notice it was bent before, but now I know. Yeah, Scott Grover says he was hoping for more asteroids-type ship movement, but after he played for a while, the controls uh, weren't that bad. So, Yeah. Hey, Patrick, that might be a good thing for your business. Uh, uh, Black Beauty pin, uh, pin straightening. <laughs> there you go. Put that on your service page, right? So, yeah. <laughs> A sawed-off Black Beauty, so you can use it as a thumbstick. Oh, that's what I used back in the day. That's when I used to average sixty thousand points. That was awesome. Unfortunately, that requires the aluminum joystick, and I don't have any of those anymore. Right? Yeah, no. I've accidentally made one, but <laughs> don't you drill a hole in your thumb doing that? You just got to put a little uh, thumb pad on it. Right? Well, it, like Rick, I broke mine once, and actually broke cleanly off, so it's just flat. <clears throat> And one of my joysticks was that, and that was the one I used with just about every game because it was just like having a thumb thumbstick, yeah, really? full analog. It's like a sawed-off shotgun. Well, there you go. Then you can do a thumbstick conversion. <laughs> yeah, just buy all the ones on eBay, Rick, and just break them off. <laughs> yeah. Custom, the custom thumbstick version, Black Beauty. Yep. Right. Sand it a little bit so you don't get those metal shards in your thumb. That's that's good. <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Are you ready you to go. tell I us I... what next week's game is going to be, yeah, Mr. Absolutely. Things? Yeah, absolutely. So this one, I think, was uh, some people didn't like it at the beginning, but it turned out to be a good turnout for the game. People seemed to really enjoy it once they got into it. And Scripts it. <laughs> <laughs> so this next one is a, um, a requested game from David Craker. Oh. Does anybody know this is one? Is this Zach oh, Sund? Is... No, it's nope. not. It's uh, Skyway, isn't it? That is exactly what it is. It... Skyway. Oh. Yeah, this was a, a tape magazine game, actually, one of the better ones. It has the perspective of Zach Sund, but you get to jump your ship. Yeah, well you're, you're skimming along the surface, and you can jump and fire. 
and but you can't fall off the um, platform. Interesting so. title screen there. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think it was Novasoft, like the Tomics cheap division first, and then they went to T and D when Tomics sold all their stuff to T and D. I had the T and D version way back, way back. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it looks kind of Zaxony. Yeah, it's the Zaxon perspective. I got. I I just know it from uh, L Curtis Boyle's website. Which who's that loser? <laughs> a lot of a lot of. Uh, reviews of some games on there and it's L stand for loser loser Curtis yeah. Boyle. Yeah. <laughs> you got it says, uh, <laughs> finally somebody figured it out <laughs> he says it's a zaxon perspective with different play mechanics so right. hey we've been joined by john boat of car schaller hey john hey everybody hello hi john i've been absent for a while i've had uh band activities uh, if you guys didn't know, I'm a band director, and the spring is the festival season in concert you, bands. You know, at first it sounded like you said band activity. <laughs> band activity. <laughs> I was arrested. I'm not going to lie to you. I spent some time in the clink, but I'm back. A free band. Were you in so Facebook jail? I got to see you at work then, eh? <laughs> Yeah, I was in Facebook jail. <laughs> it suddenly got real exciting. <laughs> I waste my life for that exciting sometimes. Yeah. That's the only time I get any exercises when I'm in Facebook jail. I get when I get to work out. Right? So, <laughs> uh, cool. Good to see you. Glad to be here. Uh, cool. So we have what's the game called again? Skyway. Skyway. All right. I'm looking forward to that one. Hopefully that'll play okay on the Xbox controller. I can play it on the Pi. I think uh, that one just. I think that one works with a digital joystick. So, okay. It's just, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, just. Um, Left and right, fire and pull back on the joystick to jump. Yeah, and you can jump over obstacles. You also have you know broken parts of the path you're flying through. You have to jump over gaps and stuff too. So, ah, David Craker just responded saying, "Thanks, Ken. Skyway is a fun game. Looking forward to getting back into it this week. Excellent." So we're back into David oh, God, Craker he's practicing. will have I'm the screwed. high score this week. <laughs> Buck Owen says, "Nightmare Skyway." Nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Oh, I think uh, Samuel Gimes' uh, video for next week has written itself. There you go. Uh, yeah, there you go. All right. So do we have, uh, John, anything you need to update us on? Or are you just, no, you just here? Just along for the ride. Oh, cool. Well, thanks for being here. Well, uh, you have announced the recording date for the next Coco show, right? Oh, yeah. And also the Coco show. Uh, yeah. The next Coco show is going to be recorded on um, March 26th uh, at uh, around 3 o'clock. Uh, we have a new episode actually coming out on the same day. Uh, no, I'm sorry. That's coming out on the 28th, and that is the Draconian episode. So if you missed the live recording of that, mark your calendars for the 28th. Uh, that's when that's going to come out on YouTube or on your favorite podcatcher app. There we go. Promo. Yeah. All right, L. Curtis Boyle, do we have game on related news? Yes, we do. Imagine that. Can you care to share that with us? <laughs> Only if you're good. Okay. Yeah. Too late for that. How long will it be? So I know how long to yeah, sleep it'll be forever. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, Nick Nick Martinez wants to set his alarm. <laughs>
I love the gears. Sounds like he's got the background music going pretty good on this, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's the uh, the hidden sound chip in the Coco. Yeah. I gave up on the 256 color mode. I forget <laughs> there's got to be a hidden sound chip in there instead. Yeah, so, okay, alarm's gone off. I can wake up now. Um, so, basically, the game is finished. So, uh, hopefully, in another week or so, it'll be uh, available for purchase. So, this is a, a short well, five-minute promo video that just goes through, well, just quickly shows what the levels uh, of the game look like. Um, Except one. Except one. Well, yeah, I don't know if I've got them all in the video anyway, but yeah, I don't show that final level either. Got to leave a, a bit of a surprise for people. Um, but uh, yeah, it's all come together. I've had uh, Curtis has been testing it, and um, and uh, Buck Owens have been testing it as well, and uh, located any bugs or quirks or little improvements. And I think I'm I'm at a point where it is pretty well, in quotes, bug free. <laughs> And uh, as perfect as it'll ever get. So I figured it's time to release it and move on to something else. And this looks oh, Nick, really cool. Nick, uh, is there inflation down there in uh, Australia also? Are we going to well, have to uh, get, you know, uh, financing to buy this thing? Uh, no. Well, <laughs> no. The plan is it'll be available for download uh, for $10.00. And if you want the CD and you know, all the, all that, uh, it'll be a $20 one. So basically the same as what I've always um, sold them for. What um, about a ROM pack? Well, you can stick it in a Coco SDC and it's essentially in a ROM pack then. So. <laughs> now, um, sometimes on your CD versions, you also have some bonus material. Do you have any for this? Yeah, this I don't have any this time because I've pretty well given out all the bonus material that I had in my previous game so yeah i don't really have anything extra it's just the game so yeah i figured most people will therefore just get the downloaded version but if you want to be a collector and get the cd with the, the pretty picture and everything so the um, second one thing you could put on as a bonus it's it's not something you couldn't get elsewhere but maybe put your entire development blog uh yeah i didn't really i didn't really um update the blog that much this time around so i don't know if we well, still had what a dozen entries or something oh he got just zapped yeah i i could copy it on there but yeah i don't know if it was as detailed as what i've done in the past so it, it wasn't but i mean it would be nice to have that you know just available on the cds can you throw a donut at the uh, robots here not a donut <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man, you're making me hungry. <laughs> but, but this game does feature David Ladd, so that, that should make up for it. Has that happened yet on the game? Uh, on your video here, it, I should say? It does say it somewhere. Yeah, you do hear him say, really. But, um, yeah. So, does it come with the level editor? No, no, it doesn't. Uh, and you can't yeah, really in this case because you have special sub mini games that are all a little different, so it's not yeah, one generic. Yeah, you really got to, you know, even once you design it, you've got to actually code the game to know how to play it. 
Um, and, and not only that, but it's very easy to create levels which are impossible with the uh, level editor. You know, it doesn't it doesn't do any error checking. It it it's fine. Oh, nuked. Crikey! You get, you get the crikey, <laughs> crikey at the end. Crikey! <laughs> um, what was I going to say? <laughs> I forgot now. <laughs> I got over crikey. But that's I, it. I can it'll... say a couple of things. I mean, you've got some six or nine support, so it'll kick in NATO mode, it and the game does, runs a little bit faster, smoother. Nine, yeah. So the game runs at a, as a, at, a, well, at a reasonable clip, but it's another ten percent at least uh, with with the six three oh nine. Yeah. So it uses uh, the 609, but you don't have to have it. So it detects it on startup. In fact, I think the video you record here, that's 6809 mode, isn't it? No, no, I, I, I run it in 6309 now oh, okay. all the time. So it's it's pretty good. It's just slightly slower in the 6809 mode. Hey, it's Nick, still you, quite playful. Nick, have you thought about uh, doing something for uh, Coco Fest where uh, – Maybe to have a contest, and then the winner would win a uh, bomb, not unlike on the cover there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't, I haven't thought that far. We just uh, no, because then none been... of us Canadians would get back across the border. So, oh. yeah, no, I've I've just been busy trying to get get it all out and finished, and you know, just be able to start another game because you know, so long, a bit of burnout. <laughs> but it looks real professional. I feel a bit a bit of burnout, so. <laughs> And one thing I will mention, one thing he added near the last minute's request for me was actually he's added two button joystick sports. If you have a double button deluxe joystick, et cetera, then you actually can throw the EMP charges with the uh, second button. Yeah, uh, the game was designed just all to be run off a single button joystick because um, my uh, Wico, my digital stick, is only a single button joystick. And I figured, well, everyone will have at least one button. So I designed it that way. But you get some people, you know, uh, like Curtis, whiny, whiny like, people like me, who's got a bit of <laughs> dyslexia, so needs to use that second button. So I put that in as well. And I was inspired by that from uh, John and and Amigo Aaron because they always talk about Amiga games where they all, everybody designs it for a single button, even though it supported two button. Mm. Wouldn't that look cool? In uh, Radio Shacks, with, stacked with a whole bunch of them. Oh, yeah. You walk in. I like yeah, the packaging, man. You can only man. go, yeah, can only go back nice. in time. If, yes. <laughs> All right. We've got a program to do that, haven't we? <laughs> you know what would be cool is if it come in the mail with a ticking sound inside. <laughs> hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Now these these will be manufactured in the U.S. So anyone in the U.S. when they if they order the CD, they get it delivered fairly quickly. Uh, it's uh, I go through that company Kunaki, and they produce the CD and the the DVDs. So they're pretty good. And if somebody wants to order this, they just go to nickmarentes.com. Yeah, I'll be I'll be setting up a website this week. So hopefully by next week's show. It'll be available for sale. Maybe I can make that an, an, an announcement on the show that that the uh, the shop is open. Ooh. <laughs> but yeah, the sheep just... are ready to be fleeced. 
Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so it is now zero hours. You know what we're you know what we're gonna do? Zero we're gonna hours. go yeah. ahead and we're gonna sponsor a giveaway. So I'll pay for a digital copy, and we can make it a contest where we can give one away to a uh, to an audience member next week live on the air. I'm not sure how we'll do it, how we'll determine that, but we'll figure that out. Um, so yeah, if it, so if it's ready for digital next week, we'll we'll buy one in, as a giveaway. Yeah, and for those wondering, it requires a 512K Coco 3 and a joystick. Uh, six or nine is optional, two button joysticks optional. Uh, of course, it runs on the emulators as well. Yeah, um, and it'll work on a RGB or composite monitor. Actually, today I've got to test the composite mode because uh, I uh, it works well in RGB, obviously, but I've got to make sure what the colors are are reasonable on the composite as well. So I'll be doing that today. That's the last thing to do. All right, so Frank, Frank from Retro Rewind says make it two. He wants to pay for one, too, as he wants to sponsor so two giveaways. Giveaway. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Curtis. What were you going to say? That's what I was going to say Ah, I yeah. saw the chat message. So. Yeah. Now, the game's not overly hard. I have tried to tailor the game to suit the wider audience. And for most of us... You said wider like, as in W-I-D-E-R, right? D-E-R. Yes, okay. Yeah, that's right. This was not a because racial thing or anything. For most of so. us, our <laughs> reflexes are not what they used to be. So <laughs> I figured not much point trying to write this game the way I used to design for an 18-year-old kid with you know good reflexes. So, so are you going to have like a Geritol uh, well, version for the old guys? I, someone who's a really good player will say it's a Geritol game anyway. So, but... The game is more, yeah, it's, it, it's meant to be more fun, a bit of puzzle. Um, a lot of exploring. Like the one good yeah. thing we've mentioned about it before is that you you can, you can don't have to earn your way to get to the next screen. You can no, that's jump between right. like, them as much as you want. Like in um, my last uh, pro previous game, uh, Gunstar, where you had to be a good player to see the very last level. And I don't know how many people have did, but... I think for the amount of work I put in to get that last level in there, very few people have seen it. So I thought, well, that's a that was a bit of a waste, wasn't it? <laughs> so, I feel that way about so many developers. You know, you you you, you they have there are these rock hard games, and you watch these playthroughs online of people that are either gods or they're using yeah. cheat to get through it. And you're like, oh my gosh, this was amazing. I wonder what percentage of people actually saw this. No, nah, so. that's right, and and. I didn't want you know, all that work. I, I put a fair bit of work in trying to make the graphics look nice and everything. And I thought, well, there's not much point if most people can't get to the end to see it anyway. So in this game, when you get when you start the game, you start in a foyer where you've got 12, uh, a lift with 12 uh, access to the 12 levels. And you can get, yeah, that one there. And, you and that's known as an elevator in America, for those of you who are not an familiar. An elevator, yeah. Yeah, so. or, yeah, I call it a lift. <laughs> lift. It's not a yeah, wheelchair well, lift on a bus, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a, a lift. Well, we call it both here. Yeah. Um, but you can enter the room in any order you want. And actually, the levels are randomized before behind the door. So whenever you play it, you don't know what level you're going to go into anyway because, you know, they're randomized. So... You can go and see every, all, well, all the 12 levels anyway, just at any time. And not only that, but you can go into the level. And if you haven't got enough of the EMF, EMF charges, for example, 
to complete that level, you can walk out of the room and go into another one to collect more EMF charges and then return to yep. that level to finish it. So it's got a bit of that free movement type element of a of an adventure game type. It's like a choose your own adventure. You don't you're not restricted sort of, to yeah. the script. Yeah. yeah, it's sort of adventure-ish. I think that's the only really, level you can't see is the final level, which is that level in the top, which you can see is locked. Okay. So you've you've got to complete the twelve uh, other levels, and then that dock that that door rather is is unlocked, and then you go in and you yeah have the final whatever so you've got the ability to see 12 thirteenths of the game no matter what your skill level is yeah yeah and the real are you know the real diehards will have to earn the way and get through all 12 of those screens in the same game to get to the 13th lock level right. basically and every level is a little mini game anyway so in each one you play something you know you have to there's a there's a i mean in all the games you've got to run around and dodge robots and 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 disarm the uh, security system but in a lot of them there's also a lo another game element in there that you've got to do whether it be like this one here where there's a bit of jumping to do but there's others where they are a bit of a, a puzzle as well that you've got to work out and it looks like there's not a penalty for how far you fall there's really no falling damage oh, there, there, is, oh, there, is. there is but it's it, generous it you fall, it's generous though okay yeah. so you are allowed to fall like if I was on that platform just above there, I could jump down onto the uh, onto the elevator, but anything more than that, and then I'd fall. So it is generous. Okay, but it's not infinite falling. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to. I, I didn't want the game to be annoying. You know, any mistakes are done by the user. I hope. In that they've they've jumped poorly or okay right it's not it's not like it's a game cruelty as I like to call it right well so. yeah it's not entirely yeah, yeah I know in my case testing it I it took me a little bit of time to get used to where your allowed jump height is so like yeah, I was dying you... quite a bit at the beginning but after you kind of get used to it then it's, let me it's let me ask you a question Nick is it more difficult or is it easier to code in jump height deaths to a game versus none uh well in this game it makes it's very easy actually because I've designed it so it internally it's actually flexible. I could make it vary the jump height very easily, mm -hmm. but I've set it to well nine scan lines. After that, it then says, "Okay, you're going to die." And but, is there yeah, a way? I mean, is that is that a multiple of the uh, the character sprite? I mean, is there no, a way that no, you can eyeball no. it? No, no, it it actually goes by. In, in in this game, it goes by a scan line. It counts the scan lines. And in, in some, well, in one of the levels in particular, the uh, EMF chamber one that I, well, the names don't pop up in this video, but there's one whereby I do turn off that check. This one. This one, when you're in that green area of the yeah. screen, you are allowed to fall the entire depth like That's this. what I was wondering because I remember seeing yeah. this and the scene, he seemed like his falling was pretty yeah. extremely generous so, in this case here this, that's right this game is basically a uh a, a remake or a whatever of my um gem hunter game or waterfall it's a mini game of that and yeah for that i just turned off the uh the counter for the uh fall and he can fall all the way down 
except of course when he reaches the very bottom of it, it then says okay you've you've hit the bottom or the top you, on that level you're not allowed to go to the very top either it, it then kills you let's say i play this to the end which is probably rare or never happens <laughs> but let's say i do and the last screen is the you know you the you win you win screen and everything and yeah. then i go to grab my camera and it's gone because it's only on ah. for like four seconds. <laughs> no, no, but I, 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 I accounted for that. When you do, actually, you'll see it at the end of the, the video. When it gets to the end and it does its end screen, whether it be the bomb blowing up or whether it's the windscreen, it actually stops there and says, press any key to continue. And, and that I did that on purpose so that, yeah, you can run out and get a, a, uh, your camera to take a snapshot of the, of the screen. Okay. Good. Because this game, there's no scoring in this game, uh, so there's no hot. You know, yeah. If, if you look at the end of this, because this is a, where the timer is about to run out, that's why it's flashing on the border. It's about to tell you you're about to die. The timer is going to run out. So if you look at the countdown, the bottom. Thirteen, twelve, ten. Fire railing down, and it says, "Okay, you're you're dead," and it says, "This." Boom. That's cool. Oh, the sound, the sound is turned off at the moment. Yeah. But yeah. So it goes, uh, does the end screen and uh, is the video. Oh, no, it's oh got you sound paused on. it. Oh, here we go. He's turned the sound on. Crikey. <laughs> the perfect place for that comment, wasn't it? Crikey. <laughs> so it stops at that point, and it's the same if you win. Uh, the whatever the windscreen will be, it'll it'll stop there, so that you can take a photo if you want to record. You probably don't want to take a photo of 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 the of the timer being zero, but if you win, you might want to take a photo of the screen to indicate that I did this in you know with the timer still having you know x amount on the count that's about the only sort of high score that you could uh, base it on mm. otherwise there's no scoring in this it's really just mission based that's neat though visually the animations and all the stuff going on on the screen it's there's just a whole bunch of things happening it's uh very much a feast for the eyes from what i can see eye, eye candy was uh was an important aspect yes <laughs> Was that a digitized picture of an actual explosion, or was it artwork? Uh, it's a picture off the internet. I just grabbed it off the internet somewhere, and I and uh, yeah, I then converted the uh, the the photo or whatever it was to a uh, black and white, actually. So we get no reds off the screen when it ends. No reds. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Radiation. Oh, radiation. No, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you get that from the green screen when you boot the cocoa up. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, it looks really good. It's just, there's always something going on. You get the gears are always turning. There's things that are moving. Um, you know, there's robots. There's just tons of stuff. There's well, that I whole always... background assembly line yeah. sound effect going to. Yeah. Uh. Well, I always try with a, a lot of my more recent games, I try to look for a technical feature that I want to achieve. You know, nothing to do with the game. I just want to I pick a technical feature 
you know, an impossible thing to do. And I try to then model my game around that. So the, the technical feature was trying to do that background, that full screen animated background mm -hmm. and have that in the background while the game played overlaid in front of it. So that was the, the, the big technical feature in this game. And it worked out really well. Yeah, absolutely. And I could have added more. You know, I think I've got four different patterns of the cogs, but I could have done more. I mean, there was no, it actually builds each level based on, you know, what, what I designed, like uh, the cogs, it actually draws that background up and creates that background based on what I already designed beforehand. So the, the, the data for the cogs, is, I've got it stored in a table. And I've only got four tables in there at the moment. But I could have done, originally I was going to do 16, but then I thought, yeah, well, there's not real, no real need to do that. So, so why this game is playing, it's using, would you say like 60% of the CPU use as it goes along? Uh, for the background, it, it probably only uses 1% actually. It's, it, it's, the routine is actually very efficient uh, because of the way I've done it. It doesn't use that much CPU time at all, which is why the game can still play at its, uh, at, at almost the maximum rate. Even yeah, and with two channel sound. And, and with two, two channel uh, interrupt driven sound, yeah. So yeah. yeah, that was the technical aspect. That was the that was the real driving force behind making this game. Trying to achieve something that is uh, well deemed not possible on the Coco. And well, that, that's is. a second. That, that's the second major reason. The other reason, of course, the main main reason is to get another Ferrari. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I've got four of them now, so. It's yeah, the hunger for a Ferrari is not so high now. <laughs> well, that's right. You were thinking of switching to Lamborghinis for your next car, right? Yeah, I thought I'd be a bit different. It looks so amazing. How hard, would, how hard would this be to make on another platform, do you think? Uh, I don't think it would be too hard. See, one I mean, of the things, well, this what, game. One of the things I guess I'm asking is, um, is because of the uh, nature of our machine that's you know eight bit 16 uh, bit do you uh, take advantage of that and could could other people do it but you could say so a computer like the amiga could do it easily but then that's that's right. a 16 bit computer with custom hardware so the idea is what other eight bit computer can do that so i'm not sure uh maybe the commodore 64 could do it the the software technique that I've used in here, it doesn't use any of the hardware. I mean, you look at this thing and you think, oh, that must be the the hardware in the gimme chip in in the Cocoa yeah. that's doing that. I don't use any hardware um, um, f uh, effects at all. This is all generally software only. So because it's not hardware specific. It could be done on another computer if you just do the, the same software techniques uh, on on that. And and so this is sort of a, you might say, the first kick at the cat. You could use this uh, technique 
to do a much more sophisticated background now that you've established it and got it working. Yeah, and you could. Game in front of it with a, like a three and a half D graphics or two and a half D graphics, they called it thing, and end up with a really sophisticated looking game based on this. Yeah. That yeah, you would, um, as a, you know, a Super NES quality thing. It's possible. Um, I mean, apart from the background, the uh, I, I think I've mentioned it before. I have a, that graphics engine that's, that, that's doing all the sprites is the one that I used in Gunstar, which was the one I originally created back in 1984 on the TRS-80 Model 1, actually. It goes right back then. Um, and uh, I reprised it in Gunstar, and uh, this has taken it a step forward to go to a, a more high-res display. Sweet. So, and I've added the background as well. Yeah, that's so a neat the, feature. So the graphics engine is very flexible for, for creating sprites. I mean, it's surprisingly easy, actually. Uh, compared to to what I was doing, you know, before this engine, putting that... putting putting sprites on the screen is is very easy. And uh, as as a another sort of backstory, there is actually one more sprite in the game which I didn't use. There's a robot. Um, if you remember my game Rupert Rhythm, there was a robot there which was like an eyeball like a round ball robot and it, it spun around and looked really good but i didn't put it in this one because even though the graphics and the sprite code and everything is all in there and it wouldn't have been too hard to put in there but um i ran out of memory space for for code actually uh, uh, this game used up all the memory for the source code so there wasn't really enough in there for me to do the robot, that, that other robot properly. So I decided, well, just leave it out and I'll save that robot for another game. So he's in there, actually. It's very easy to implement. I could very easily just turn on that robot and just, you know, move it around. But it was just no space left for me. Cool, cool. It is. I could sit here and stare at it all day. It's very mesmerizing. Yeah, we're gonna have to get one and play with it. Yeah, yeah. So we need to as soon as it's available too. We need to make that the game of the week in the near future too. Um, well, once yeah, probably within a couple weeks, just to let people you know catch up. Yeah, to only catch the show wait, once. Wait till it reaches a million um, copies. No, oh, okay. So so yeah. two weeks, <laughs> two weeks then. Yeah. But wait until the Lamborghini is purchased, then yeah, uh, that's as soon right. As, as soon as Nick can afford a Lamborghini and a Ferrari out of this, then it will be the game on of the week. All right. <laughs> so what's next, Curtis? That is a beauty, though. That is an absolute beauty. Okay, so back to regular game on news, which actually I don't have too much of. So quick. So next up, our guests next week. Tim and AJ. <laughs> I like the coconut cup. I like that. <laughs> so I just to give a bit of a backstory, the previous episode 19, now they don't just do Coco games. They do other systems that they grew up with. So previously they played an Intellivision pool game um, called Deep Pockets. 
And so this time they decided to play the color computer equivalent, which is eight ball. That's which another is one nickname of those... for Nick Moranti's two deep pockets. I thought you going to say cue ball or something. Um, no, that's David Lett. Uh, so basically what they did here is they played the Coco version of this game and they were kind of doing some internal comparisons to it. Um, I know Tim said he prefers the, the game mechanics of this one over the Intellivision's version. Um, and I will mention too, this is one of those rare games that actually was sold as a cartridge by a third party back Ooh. in the Antico software who also sold like the blank empty cartridge cases molded and stuff for people to use. And I think some disc controllers and stuff, even in Australia, use them. I think Nick's actually shown some of them. But they sold 8-Ball. They sold Intergalactic War, which is kind of that 3D space trench game. Intergalactic Force, I should say. So there's a few of the games they did here. So this is their uh, running of 8-Ball. So I'll play the first minute or two, and then we'll on the next one. There are guests next week. So you have any questions on this game, save them for next week. I like the music. 8-Ball. The Age of Aquarius. Yep. Aquarius. That is beautiful. Ooh, I remember this. Oh, thanks, Tim. It's so good to be back. And that was a really beautiful opening. Is that loud enough for you? No. Age of Aquarius. Is that no? No. Yeah, you can turn it up. This is a YouTube program where... Me and my sister play vintage video games in a competitive context. Yeah, yeah. I'm basically attempting to relive my childhood and make good on all the times I lost by kicking his butt. <laughs> uh, so far, we're about 50-50, I think. Yeah, that's right. You know, I should do a, an accounting, though. Yeah. Maybe in I'll the show a little bit of gameplay here, too. This all together, you can... <laughs> Press and hold. I want power, so I'm going all the way to the end and releasing. I got one in. Oh, is that eight ball going to go in? Oh, that. Ooh, so you got the solid and the stripes. Gonna, am I going to yep. do what I did last week? Stripes being high, <laughs> solids being low. Did you see if it was a star or stripe? I did not. Oh, shoot. Count well, em. it says you're high. Count them. One, two, three, four, five, six stripes. One, two, three, Four, five, six, seven. So, so you sunk a so stripe. So I struck a stripe. So you want to continue sinking stripes? Oh, you're telling this because it's my turn still. Yes. <laughs> oh well, very good, very good. And for those who don't understand the mechanic here, baby, the ball basically the short line is your cue, your cue stick, and, and the, the long, long line is the direction it's going to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you got English. You can like hit the corner of the ball to give spin and stuff like that. And then the and power bars, you just hold down the joystick button. There's a lot going into it. Boom. I like that we don't, needle there, AJ. we don't have to actually pick a pocket. No, we don't have to pick uh, uh, pick God. our shots in this game. This because game is a little looser. Because that's way too precise for me. Yeah, the Intellivision game they played last time, the last episode, they actually you had to you know, pick the pocket. You had to say I was going to sink it on the top center pocket or whatever, and if it didn't go in there, it went in some other pocket. Okay, yeah, that's like that's like real eight ball. You got to kind of call your shot before you make it, so it doesn't count. Uh, yeah. That's cool. That is cool. I remember playing this back in the day. Yep, me too. And uh, like I said, there are guests next week, so you can ask them about stuff in general about the whole sibling rivalry, how that show started. Um, you know what what systems they had at home when they were both kids. What they're planning on doing with the show in the future, etc. So that's all next week.
Next up here, it's a bit of an update here. Gwyn Major was asking, uh, he couldn't get Caladriel 2 to play properly. And this is one that actually Aaron had shown Caladriel 1, the Cocoa 1 and 2 version, uh, on one of his live streams not too long ago. And it's it's kind of a, a different style of an adventure game slash RPG. I don't really know what to classify it as, because you actually use arrow keys to move in smooth scrolling on that map. But you also have text commands that you get to type in. Uh, and this is the Cocoa 3 only version, the sequel one, Caladriel 2. Uh, now, this one, unfortunately, the one in the archive, it, it screws up, and you can see disk error, bad file structure, press key retry. So they were going back and forth with the original one of the original authors, Jeff Noyle, who's actually in the Cocoa group on Facebook. And they actually figured out how to strip the copy protection off, which has been a problem, and also get it to work properly, uh, fully as a game. And so Gleam has actually updated the archive with a new version of this now works properly, but he also updated a couple others that were also giving problems. So those darn marbles, oh. uh, which is the uh, Coco 3 512K version of Marble Madness, um, that one's been updated as well. And Seventh Blink, which is the uh, Coco 3 Ultima style game. So both of those are now, or all three of those are actually now on the archive that you can download. And if you have previous versions, those will not run properly. These also did not run in the emulator properly. So they've all been fixed up. So I've just downloaded them and I might try to do some updates on my webpage because I know Seventh Lake in particular, I couldn't get it playing far enough to get decent screenshots except for the intro screens. And I do want to update that uh, entry on my games page because this is actually much more advanced than, say, Gates of Delirium or Paladin's Legacy, the uh, Seventh Link, which is like a three-disc adventure game. It was a four-disc. I can't even remember. It's huge. There's four different planets you have to travel to, all with their own indoor and outdoor maps and proper 3d dungeons and all kinds of stuff it's a pretty advanced game neat all right that's uh a, a good update to get so if any of you have these old ones you just downloaded say the the sdc big you know monster collection thing these have been updated since so they should work properly now so go grab those and then the last one here for the games on section this is kind of a, a combination of hardware update and a game on challenge thing so, Ken, I think you got this as one of the last scores you got. So this is uh, Pedro Pena, known as Rocky Hill on YouTube, testing his Daiquiri chip, which is a replacement for the salt chip. Now, that chip helps control all the ADC, DAC stuff, which is like joysticks, sound. So he thought, you know, a good time to participate in the Game On Challenge with Space Race this last week would be also a good test for that chip to see if it's working as a replacement for the original salt chip from Tandy. So I, since it's only three minutes, I'll just play the whole thing, and then you guys can go to his YouTube channel and ask him any questions, or ask him in Discord too. So, okay, what am I doing here? I want to do the game on challenge. I have about an hour, maybe forty-five minutes left. Um, but today, I wanted to test the DAC report. DAC report, uh, you know, manages, uh, you know, the joystick controls. So um, I want to test it, and I want to see if I can play this game, which I've never played before. Actually, I played it about five minutes ago. It is very challenging. But I wanted to see if I can play that game with the Daiquiri board. The Daiquiri board uh, should read the input on the joysticks and will produce sound. So let's see if this works. Oops. It looks like an Ed Snyder keyboard too. I think it's a Mr. Dave one, isn't it? Oh, okay. Is it? Let's notice it's got colored keycaps. Okay. Uh, he's spinning all over the place, huh? He's a spinning <laughs> yeah. demon. He's come from the Taylor School right, of something. Space Race Play.
New feature, the auto spin button. Yeah, right. But for those of you that have played the game, I mean, you you can tell that the sound is pretty well dead on. So, and the joystick control seems just as good as the original salt chip. So I think his daiquiri chip is wow. Probably that was working. horrible. Let's give this another shot. And because that's one of the chips that is not replaceable, nobody manufactures that anymore. The fact that he's got this pretty Jesus. close to fully working means we have a, an option to replace it, not just like the Gimme X can replace the Gimme. So our chips that you can't buy anymore uh, is growing smaller and smaller, and eventually we will be able to create a brand new Coco 1, 2, or 3, and then not have any chips missing, and also have replacements for ones that died. All right, 700. That's not too bad. It works. Yeah. So anyway, I, I won't play the whole thing, I guess, but uh, he goes into a little bit of talk at the end there about the, you know, the chip itself. But it appears to be working pretty good. So um, I think he'd mentioned there's one or two games that it doesn't quite read the joysticks quite correctly because some of those games use special tricks, kind of like we found the problem with Photon on, on MAME that Tim Linder had to fix because uh, Jeff did a little tricky bit there for reading the joystick axis a few cycles faster than normal <laughs> using settling chimes on the chip, etc. So anyway, that's it for the game on news. Do you want to segue straight into regular, or do you want to? No, no, we'll take a break. We'll take a okay. we'll take a brief break, and then we'll come back with newsy news. Um, yep. So we have a who's new to Discord. We've got a few other things like that uh, that we'll play, and then we'll come back with some uh, newsy newsy updates, acquisitions, all that good stuff after these words. So everybody, it's potty time, break time, drink time, whatever you got to do. We'll be back in a little bit. Hi Retro Tech Heads, Data Soup here. You're watching Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer and proudly Patreon sponsored by RetroTechTime.com. Coco Talk would like to thank the patrons who sponsor our program. So our heartfelt gratitude goes out to Alan Huffman, Alan Murphy, Blair Ledoux, Bolton Aaron, Brendan Donahue, Brian Weasler, Brian Walsh, Karen Hanscom, D. Bruce Moore, Daddy Burrito, Daniel Williams, Diego, Eric Canales, Glenn Hewlett, Graham Vebke, Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Jason Downs, Jay Style, Ken Reichert, Malfunct, Michael Pitsley, Mike Rayburn, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Paul Thayer, Retro Tech Time, Rick Eulin, Rob Inman, Rocky Hill, Stephen Wagner, Steve Batson, Steve Rasmussen, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tim Thayer, Tom C., Tom Gunderson, Tom Heron, Tom S., Tony C., and William Athing. Thank you ever so much, patrons. It's time for everyone's favorite segment, Who's New to Discord This Week? F15 Sim My name is Gene, and I've got a pretty insane vintage computer collection, entirely by accident. Among the machines I have is a couple of Coco 1s, a couple of Coco 2s, and one Coco 3. Patrick B. TTR Patrick B. From Texas Tandy Restorations, waving from Houston, Texas. 
Like the name says I restore computers from the TRS-80 series, mostly specialized with the Model 3, 4, 4D, and 4P series, but can repair Coco occasionally. CR0SH Andrew. I've been a long-time member of both the Multimedia Listserv and the FB Coco Group, I got my first Coco years ago, okay, it was 1984, and I was 10 to 11 years old, I still have both my original Cocos. S. Taylor. Ahoy. I am into all types of retro systems. I am part of a YouTube channel that supports our retro hobby. We were guests on show 251 of Coco Talk. Bit. Annihilator. My name's Matt. I'm really into everything retro but if I had to put a finger on things it would be the old 8-bit home computers and Unix systems. Don Taipan. Hey all. I'm Dan and have been into retro gaming since the 90s. In the last several years I have been more focused on retro computing. I started my Coco journey last year with an eBay, as is, Coco 2. The previous bios were edited for time's sake. Thanks to, Melly. Boysontech. Paul Fiscarelli. Eric Canales. Terry Stagey. And the Coco Talk patrons for boosting the server. Please consider joining Discord and visiting the welcome section to read these bios in full and see what the community has to offer. At discord.cocotalk.live. AJ, want to do something fun on March 19th? Is it more fun than playing video games with you? A little. No. Just kidding. Of course I want to do something fun. We're going to be on an interview show. Ooh, is it going to be Ryan Reynolds interviewing us? It's going to be L. Curtis Boyle. And they're both Canadian. <laughs> I love L. Curtis Boyle. Count me in. So on March 19th, tune in to the Coco Talk podcast on YouTube at 1 p.m. And you can find out about our show, Sibling Rivalry, and get all the hot and juicy details. Why is it always juicy? <laughs> From around the world, what you need to know. Get caught up on news with El Christmas. And now a Muppet News Flash. All right, take it away, L. Curtis Boyle. Okay, so on to the regular news here. So the first one is Wayne Aaron has posted a, a friend of his wife's named Wanda Cole is actually making some Coco-related T-shirts. And if you want to contact her on Facebook through the Facebook Coco group on this posting that Wayne did, you can actually get them. So he's he's got one of them here. So it's kind of a little photo. Will work for power. Yeah, that was part, Rick Eulen, you might remember this too, back in the 90s, I think this was part of the uh, Coco web ring, wasn't it? Wasn't it a backward art pieces or something? It, vaguely familiar, but... Okay. Or it might have been on Marcus Blumrich's site, I can't remember, but one of them had this as a... Yeah, I'm just not catching that reference there. Okay, but it's, it's yeah. cool. You have to be an oldie to remember that Okay one. there, Shinny. What, what I loved at the, um, at the end of that uh, spot with uh, Tim... And AJ was, uh, I love Curtis Boyle. Sign me up. I mean, how many people say that? 
obviously you can tell how much they drank out of those coconut things. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm looking forward to their interview. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Okay, next up, uh, Jim Brain announced that the Glenside Telecomputer Club is now officially recognized as a nonprofit organization. And with most of the, the things that that entails is just making it official. They were always kind of one. But there are a few things that have changed, and he kind of goes through them on this page, which I'll let you read, because if you're a member of Glenside, you probably should know this kind of stuff. But one of the things, actually, is that if you do donations for, say, the auction to Glenside, you can actually use that as an official tax write-off now. Okay. It's a non-profit. So for uh, the general call for stuff for the auction for the upcoming Cocoa Fest in May here that Glenn or uh, Greg was talking about. Uh, Grant, Grant Lady. Lady. Grant Lady. Yeah. yeah. Greg, Grant. Affectionately known as Greg. Yes. Um, is that you can actually write those off now. And there's some details, like if it's over a certain amount and you get the official receipts, et cetera, et cetera. So I'll let you read the blog post because that's, that's getting into like legalese stuff. But uh that just happened this week where it's officially uh, i gotta say as far as um coco glenside leadership um jim brain has done a lot he's accomplished a lot he's done a lot um so i just wanted to acknowledge that that's not very often i'd say something positive about anybody but yeah um yeah good job jim brain for just dragging this club forward you know on all kinds of stuff getting the new website needed to be done this uh, official nonprofit status, you know, simplifying the registration of Cocoa Fest, having badges, all these things that we've been, you know, saying it would be nice if we could do this. It'd be nice if we could do that. In the past couple of years, a lot of these things have finally just um, happened, you know. So all the planets aligned, all the years of effort have finally paid off. Um, so cool. And then I don't think I showed this last week. I might have mentioned it briefly, but the the next it's, it's a little bit late. And Stevie, you can attest to what will happen there. But the next edition of the Coco One Two Three Full Color Newsletters out, which has got a ton of stuff. There's articles in there, a part of a series actually by Rick Eland. And, uh, oh think, yeah, uh, yeah. So this was the uh, September. This was supposed to be released in September of last year. This was the autumn edition. Um, and then we were originally trying to get it. And see, so, uh, we've been talking about doing the Coco Art Gallery, which is a channel that we have in Discord. And putting that in a newsletter, I finally got around to doing that. So I started featuring some of the artwork from the Coco Art Gallery, which is a channel in our Discord. Um, so yeah, this is just later than late. And this is technically my last official newsletter because I have resigned from being the newsletter editor only because my time does not allow me to do it. And it's constantly late. And I'm just constantly tired of it being constantly late. So I need to become somebody else's problem at this point. <laughs> so um, I enjoyed my run. I'd like to think I did some things you know, um, structure wise to make it look a little nicer and, you know, put it in a place where it can be continually improving. Uh, I'm a proud of what we accomplished, but I just can't, I can't, I can't handle the commitment and the stress of always missing deadlines. It, it weighs heavy on me. So, um, but yeah, so, um, whenever there was white space, I just threw in some pictures from our art gallery. There's plenty of content there. The cover art was done by Melly, who's, uh, uh, the, the cocoa guy, I put him on the cover. Um, we took some pictures from VCF Midwest we got in there. Again, this was supposed to be released in September of last year. So this was some uh, current events at the time. Um, but yeah, good Because we result. met Randy Kindig, who was our guest uh, not too long ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's when I pitched getting him on the show and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. Yeah, good newsletter. Uh, it's just been a struggle to... Um, 
the, I think part of the problem is is that the bar got raised and then we created our own problem at that point too because we have so much news that we're taking we're basically taking your news links and then massaging those into you know readable printable news and then that's a full-time job because there's so much news so it's a good problem to have but then this becomes another problem so but yeah, that's good news. There's some good articles in there. I know Alan Murphy's been doing stuff on sound. Alan Murphy had, and and yeah, and then so the newsletter's not going anywhere. Uh, so we still want people to continue to contribute articles and program listings and and other things. So you can send that to a newsletter at glensidegcc.com. Send your content. Um, I'm happy to be a liaison, um, but I just can't be the person where the buck begins and ends with because I just I have too much on my plate now to handle this as well. Um, but yeah, it's been a fun ride. Uh, I'm happy of what we were able to accomplish and I hope that, that, that continues. Well, thanks Steve. This is a good looking thing you were putting together. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. So like, here's the news, right? So this basically, we start off by taking all your news links that Curtis throws together his news summaries, but then those then have to be looked up and pictures have to be pulled and screenshots had to be made and you know so it, it yeah, just and pick out the best ones not just everything because i you know some yeah, stuff yeah. Is so, marginal news. so it just because there's so much news now curating that so alan murphy has been curating the news but then ne needing to get it formatted and put in and everything else it's just it's very time consuming um so um and for me and my work schedule and everything else has got to be too hectic for me to stay on top of this in a regular way um, but yeah, so this is this is the latest one that was just released recently that should have been released last year. <laughs> so, so like some of the plugging of Nick's game in progress and things like that. But yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's what seventy seven pages or something like that. Something it's, like that. Yeah, that's, it's and a nice you, big one, and that's one thing that's happened. I mean, they're only quarterly, and I think they have only been quarterly for quite a while. But uh, they used to be like ten, twenty. 25 pages and this is like right and so then the question came up because it was we a, a, a while ago the idea of trying to create a new rainbow magazine was thrown around and some efforts were made in that direction and again everything it's 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 hard to sustain and maintain things but rather than focusing on a new rainbow i think the newsletter is is edging its way to becoming more magazine ish and in the right hands this can continue to grow and flourish and, and, go, and this can, can be up? the next rainbow, you know? Can you go up a little so we can see his garbage can? Oh, yeah, Nick's oh, yeah, garbage can. There's a garbage can, right? So It's much more important than his uh, zero hour. So Yeah. So, yeah. So, I think the idea of the of the newsletter or the uh, the rainbow, you know, whatever it is, a periodical. I think we can still hopefully have a good periodical here at the Glenside mm -hmm. Newsletter with ongoing um, submissions and stuff. So Yeah, and it's we also good that, you know, some people just don't have the time to sit through three to five hour shows of Coca Talk every week, and and you, right. you know they might start falling behind on news and stuff. And this is one way every few months you can just get it all caught up in one shot in one right. You can kind of look at the thumbnails and of hey, if I like this, I'll click on the link. You know, so it's a way yeah. to kind of skim. Kind of well, yeah. Go ahead. A standalone a standalone magazine is a big ask, but as a newsletter from a nonprofit, this could live. You know, it has a much better chance of succeeding than, you know, five guys want to do a magazine. Right, whatever. right. Well, it has. It has It has continued since 1985. So this this publication has been around for a while. It's a, it's a tradition. So it's, it's an institution and a legacy. It's a good place to put more effort is what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So 
Now, one, one thing actually, since John's on here, I don't know how much you know about this, John, but I know like the Amiga community has actually got an actual physical print magazine that's printed in the UK. Oh, yeah. But I mean, let's let's be honest. The the audience for the Amiga is an order of magnitude larger than the, the audience. With the yeah, especially in Europe. But yeah. one thing I was finding interesting there is that uh, Pixels at Dawn just announced that they're actually going to be sold on newsstands again. Yeah, not just as yeah, a they, were, private... they were featured in The Guardian um, last mm. week. Uh, as part of a renaissance of uh, you know video game print magazines that are returning to the newsstands, especially retro-based ones, and of course Retro Gamer sort of started that that trend. But now there are platform-based magazines for Sega, uh, the MSX, the Sega, or uh, the Spectrum. But again, all of this is you know Europe-focused, where traditionally magazines were so much more of a uh, developed ecosystem there i mean there were there were probably at least a dozen magazines solely focused on the amiga you know in the heyday of the system and we've never for any computing platform we've never had that kind of ecosystem we don't yeah like the coco maxed out at five at one time and that the world five we're going was literally a span of like four months before they some of them started kicking off so yeah but i was wondering like if, if if there's some generic retro magazines that maybe getting dragon and or coco content into them might be something that we can at least participate a little bit in because like you're right i don't think we'd get the you know the critical mass to actually physically print a real magazine well you have to find i mean you know retro gamer would be the the most obvious solution and there might have even been you know dragon features in retro gamer but the thing is i mean the 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 writing on that magazine is is very very good so you'd have to have some you'd have to find somebody that was you know a legitimate writer uh, that would craft, you know, something that that, that could be featured there. Um, that said, I'm sure that there are people within the Cocoa community that, that fit the bill. It's just a question of whether they're motivated to do it or not. Yeah. I definitely know the writing skill for that kind of thing. Me as too. you can probably tell by hearing me talk. I mean, you can go grab the newsletter. There's 77 pages of goodness in there. Do we, have they figured out who the next newsletter editor is going to be? I have no idea. You just completely kicked the can to the curb and got out of there. Yeah, yeah, I had to. <laughs> How many hours do you think it took you? You know, for each each one of these TV, I can't even imagine. Well, so, the pro so the bad. problem is so historically, I fell into I, well historically and even currently, I fall into one of two categories: either I'm not busy and I'm just perpetually lazy and, and perpetually put everything off to the absolute last minute. That's the normal me. Um, but then the, the new me is I'm just perpetually busy legitimately with work and life that I haven't had time. So then it's still put off to the last minute, but not because I'm lazy because I'm busy, but either way, it's always, uh, you know, it's like the 11th hour crunch to try to crank out everything. Um, and so it, 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 it's a labor of love and it, and I have not been the only person working on it. Alan Murphy was the one compiling all of the news and, and grabbing screenshots. Tim Lindner was helping me do some uh, massaging of the document and things like that too. So there, there was a team working on it, but, um, yeah, if I had to f guess in hours, I, I don't even know. I would have to say, um, I don't know, 30 to 80 hours um, of stuff, only because I spend a lot of time nitpicking over white space and how things flow over pages and stuff. I don't like, mm -hmm. uh, I don't like there to be text without a picture. I don't want like the text to be on one column and the picture on the other. So I really obsess over having everything flow in a way that makes sense to me. Um, right. You know, so a lot of that is time that probably didn't need to be spent. It's more OCD time, <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, so, but yeah, I'm not sure. But a lot. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. 
All right, what else and, is going uh, on in the news, Curtis? I, I was just going to say, Alan put he put in the chat here. He said just the screenshots alone were two to four hours a week, so it's a massive yeah. undertaking. Yeah, yeah, it's a labor of love. And again, we have you know, ultimately though the um, the task of rendering the document is still tedious of copying and not only is it just copying and pasting but then formatting and flowing and and all kinds of stuff so yeah it's uh, even having multiple people spending multiple hours it still ends up being a lot of work so hey i was watching the last kingdom on uh netflix and they had a um uh a, a dragon moment when uh, they mentioned uh, a character called cuthbert ah <laughs> neat Okay, color computer programming. How to create a video game, walls or boundaries that can't be crossed by a joystick controlled sprite. Okay, that sounds interesting. You're muted, Curtis. Are you talking to us or somebody sorry. else? Yep, sorry, yeah. Yeah, sorry. That was muted. Sorry, eh? Yeah. So a color computer programming on YouTube has been doing these basic, you know, live tutorials, basically. It's not scripted. He kind of, you know, figures out what he wants to try to do, and then he kind of wings through it, and, you know, sometimes that's correct his own mistakes, et cetera. So he put up a couple more episodes the last two weeks. I missed last week. So one was just, uh, and this is all basic, so I don't expect like miracle stuff, but it's, 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 it's good for the beginning basic programmer to see, you know, some of the trials and tribulations, figure out how to do things. So that's when he was checking, like, how do you check the balance checks to make sure you're moving that something that doesn't go across. me from crossing this line. You watch. I'm holding it there. It will not cross that line. Try it. So, I mean, this picker one was telling you, like, how to stop moving it once you hit the side of the screen. Or if you draw some artificial boundary, you know, how do you stop it at that type thing? So that was one of the videos he did. And the other one is he's kind of working on a uh, graphical adventure game in mm -hmm. basic um, with stuff that you can search is kind of in more of an interactive it's not a strict adventure game as in like type in a ton of text commands so i'll just show a little bit of it he's oh, that this I is want to take it farther early on in development here but and uh, show you what so that it starts in the bedroom here. so i don't have to go through the entire game to this point because you've already seen that so now i am in my bedroom okay and with a one you playing hockey? Machine, <laughs> this is one megahertz. He's got long leg elongation syndrome. Oh, okay. That's the that's the animation of walking. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he was got a sweeper out there, or is a hockey stick, or what? What's going? On? <laughs> yeah. That's so cool though. Just using the yeah. draw the draw statement to do this kind of three D floor plan. That's really cool. Yeah, and you get to walk up and you can interact with various things on there, like open dresser drawers or look at the bed, et cetera. It's like things. He's got a few rooms done, so I'll see if I can skip ahead to one of these other. And he goes through the listing a little bit, show you how he's doing things. He's got an inventory screen. And... Okay, here's a different room. Oh, going down a hallway, maybe. So I'm going to go over to this red door. The green door's open. Oh, Red door is one that yeah, first open. Door. We don't know what that is, but it, we know it's a door. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna come over to the second door because this door is shut. Um, this door over here is. And it's kind of like a developmental block. Yeah, no, that's neat. Game. That's neat, and yeah. you're doing it in basic, and so really anybody who wants to play around of designing a Coco game can work with this. You don't have to be an assembly programmer or a super fancy coder. Um, you can do it in basic, and there's some fun things you can do in basic. 
Yeah, and I, I might give them some comments because I, I like I know there's some tricks you can do in basic where you don't have to do machine language. I think like you know get put has that option for even bite where it runs a lot faster, so the redrawing would be quicker. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he's aware of the speed up poke either because that speeds up the ROMs even on a Coco one and two, so they right, race program right. faster. I think he's just running stock. So right, right. Too. So there's definitely some optimizations, but but that's that's. Yeah, but here he's, he's just learning how to do the graphics. Right, 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 right. Also right. designing a game that actually is a pretty interesting take on an adventure game. Yeah, yeah. Next up after that, uh, Alan at AC, AC's 8-Bit Zone uh, did a little five-and-a-half-minute video here on Zip Sockets mm. and adapting to the Coco and going through the trials and tribulations he was getting trying to get stuff to work here because he wants a Zip Socket so that, you know, the, the socket is actually in decent shape, but you have to you know, get some converters because basically some of the zip sockets are meant for, you know, different shape pins or different right. spaces, et cetera, here. So we kind of go through the whole thing. I won't play it here. I'll let you guys go view right. it. Right. So do. for those who aren't aware of that acronym, ZIF stands for Zero Insertion Force. And that was a neat feature on later model CPUs where you can kind of lift up an arm like a slot machine, lift up the arm, take the CPU out, let it fall back in. This gravity feeds it in and pull down the arm to lock it in. And, um, yeah, when you have to use the chip puller on these 40-pin dip CPUs, those little almost like aluminum-type legs on the CPU, they, they don't last forever. And if you don't pull it out gracefully and put it back in gracefully, you can definitely break some legs on these things, um, and that becomes uh, harder to deal with CPU. So that's a cool concept of doing that on an 8-bit system. Yeah, in this case here, one of the things he points out, the zip socket he has has square pins. And he literally says, you know, I'm trying to put square pins into a round hole. Yeah. So oh, yeah. Oh, because he's, de he's desoldered that. Or is that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's that's a great idea, though. I mean, yeah. it, just having things socketed is a, is definitely an improvement over having everything kind of surface mount soldered to the board. But a step above socketing is if you have a ZIF socket where you, you, you take less risk on wearing out the legs on your CPU, you know. And plus, since it lets you lock the chip down, you can make sure you're getting good contact when you do have the chip in. Like the Gimme will, for example, gradually work its way out from heat, and, and eventually you'll start getting some. Oh, weird, so he's doing some uh, square to round conversion here, right? So, uh, mm. wow. <laughs> what was that, Rick? <laughs> Machine pins. Machine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now, I love those machine pins. Ooh, David Lamb has joined us. Oh, crap. You didn't even know I was here. I should have just kept quiet. Yeah, too late now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, it's an interesting video for you hardware guys there. You know, this involves soldering and stuff, so I kind of stay away from it. Yeah, yeah. So, but, beauty. I mean, go check that out. Next up, Henry Reitfeld. I didn't even know YouTube shorts were the thing. Um, so he did a quick little video showing he got his hard drive, like a real hard drive, running on his Coco 3 again. And he's actually got it in. It's one of the ones that was a bit lower power from back in the day. He's actually got it running in his floppy case here, along with his five and a quarter inch drive. Um, and now, he's, as he mentions in the video here, that the fan is going, the bearings are going, so it's a bit noisy. But quick look at one of my old school Coco hard drives. Works great. Bit of a noisy fan. I'll have to fix that. But that's the hard drive. Now, see, that's Sidekick. That's the program that the Coco SDC was based on. Yeah. Um, so um, Sidekick is the original t uh, text menu software loader for the Coco. Yeah. 
Yeah, because the SDC one is specifically for SDC. Yeah, so. it's reading off the SD file system versus your Cocoa Just a quick directories. Look at one of my old yeah, that's yeah. neat. That's neat. And I remember these these were getting sold in the late 80s, like after the Burke and Burke came out and the Frank Hogg Eliminator and the Canton and stuff that a lot of people were getting SCSI drives, IDE drives, MFM drives, RLL drives. And a lot of people, if they got the drives that were a little bit lower power and didn't draw their power supply too much, instead of putting in a second half byte floppy, like a three and a half or something, just swap out a hard drive and throw it in and power it all off the one. And then you have two controllers coming off, one for the hard drive and one for the the floppy drive controller, which he's all got in his multi-pack there. So that brought back some memories. TJ Ferreira is asking, are there any Dragon 3264 owners that are in the USA? I have a Tano Dragon, which is the U.S. version of that. Any other people here have... Uh, David Ladd, I believe, owns one. David has a Tano Dragon. Yeah, I got a Tano. I haven't really had a chance to fully use it yet, but... <clears throat> yeah. I think Ron Delvaux does, too, though I think he's muted. He's probably busy at the moment. Uh, of course, uh, we got a lot of people from the UK who have dragons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kieran, who is in the chat, I don't know if he still is, but he's definitely got one, obviously. Yeah, the Tano Dragon in the US is actually a 64K 64, Dragon. Yeah, they didn't yeah. sell the Dragon 32 as a separate NTSC-based system here, 60 hertz. Uh, so yeah, I've been watching some of the Robert Sieg's videos. They're really cool. He's doing some really fast uh, screen manipulation on stuff. It's really cool. Yeah, so I mean, he's basically been learning 6803 assembly language and you know, how to control from BG. So it's just one of his little you know, graphic demos here to show the Ooh. speed of machine language, basically. Yeah, this is like a poltergeist moment. Carol Ann, where are you, Carol Ann? <laughs> it's almost like, too bad we didn't have like grayscale. You could simulate like static on the Coco, you know? You have to palette hack. Well, this. I, some people did with P mode four. You just flicker back between random white and yeah black dots. Yeah. So he's done a couple of these. Actually, I didn't play the earlier ones. He did some other ones, like you guys called Dot Chaser. I think was an earlier one, but this one was a bit more visually impressive. Yeah, more yeah. Colors, so that's what I showed. And yeah. then the last update for this week. Uh, speaking of dragons, actually, Phil Ivy Smith's put some photos up here of uh, John Whitworth's um, duplicating the Dragon Beta board, which is that dual CPU. 760k MMU, basically the professional system of Dragon was working on prototypes of when they folded. So he's up, updated some photos here with uh, getting all the sockets and stuff here and the capacitors, which we kind of showed a little bit of last week as well. But in the uh, comments section here, he has a new photo, and he mentions here he's actually got it mostly working now. The disk, the disk interface is not working properly at this point, but quite a bit of the rest of the machine is working properly. So this is the state it's currently in, at least as of his last post here on the 10th. Yeah, a lot of chips on there. Yep, including two 6809s, and you can have up to three-quarter of a mega RAM in this sucker. So Wow. Now, those three slots in the card. middle, are those going to be like bus connectors for like plugging in? I believe so, yeah. yeah. This is closer, actually, probably to a gimmicks than it is to a Coco. Yeah, yeah. At this point. And then an I'm assuming card. that's a power lead that's going into the board there that you can then kind of tap into to plug in a power supply is that what that orange thing with the black wires is sure looks like looks like power it looks like that's feeding yeah, power is. to the system board yeah good guess yeah, yeah. Uh, but i mean he just got his prototype boards like he's been scanning the original one from dragon that they uh -huh. managed to rescue right and he's been scanning it in and then he got five prototypes made based on the scans and now he's just kind of debugging the board to see what he has to fix but so far good chunks of it are working it does boot um, it just doesn't isn't accessing the drives right now properly. So what is that all about? Uh, yeah, Boots the Chemist isn't that yeah. a place in the UK? I think? <laughs> That's a good looking board. Yeah, 
No, I'm I'm really looking forward to getting this them getting this fully running. I would love to you know see them in action. If you start selling the uh, board itself, so people can actually run these. I mean, having a dual six I don't know, or dual six or not even better, with you know a fair bit of RAM and MMU and eighty com card all built in. I mean, this is kind of like what the UK's Coco Three would have been, but even more so because it has some extra hardware features we didn't have. Hey Curtis. Yeah. What is the uh, what are the real world advantages to having a dual processor set up in a Dragon or a Coco? If you have a software that supports it, <clears throat> you can offset load tasks that normally the CPU would have to share, like say generating sound. So instead of having the CPU sucking like 50, 60% of the time, trying to jam out sound samples, for example, tell the second CPU, you go do that. I'm gonna be busy running graphics in the keyboard and joysticks. Um, some people use them as graphics accelerators where it one CPU will just do screen updates, scrolling and moving sprites around with the other ones handling all the rest of the code type thing. So it just depends on what you want to use it for. And is this something that, I mean, because this is the first time that I've ever heard about a Cocoa with a dual processor. It's not a Cocoa, it's a Dragon. Or a no. Dragon, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Is this something that's that, that happens frequently with Dragons, that, that people do these dual processor setups? No, this, this was actually made by Dragon themselves, the company that created the Dragon. This was going to be their next generation one in 84 when they went under. Okay. So they had okay. a few prototypes this made. Now there is multi CPU ones for the Coco as well. Jim Brain actually has one. I think he's got two six three oh nines on it, each running at three megahertz with their own RAM too. So you can actually have it do like three D calculations or something in the background, and the main CPU just has to get the comp computed results to do a drawing or something rather than have to do all the math. Right. That makes sense. So, it's interesting. Yeah. But but now the, it get, the, definitely gets complicated because you have to keep them in sync, right? Right. You, the other the CPU challenge can't act on. Yeah. The other challenge is that this is an advanced hardware feature, but there is not a lot of over-the-counter software to take advantage of it. And in this case here, a port of, of OS 9 would take advantage of that. But dual processors on a Coco, there is no current over-the-counter software to take advantage of that. Have to be, you'd have to write something for it. Is that, I see. Is that I true, see. Curtis? Or? Yeah, I think some people had fiddled with it. Like, I know the TC9 also had support for a dual CPU thing, too. At one point, uh, Bill and I fiddled with. We never really finished because we, you know, the TC9 ended up pulling too, just like the Dragon Beta did. Um, right, but if you think about it, if Level Two can handle separate process RAM spaces, why not separate CPU spaces as well? Well, the thing is, OS9 Level Two on the Fujitsu FM77, for example, did support full dual CPU right out of the gate, and one was graphics dedicated, and the other one was the main operating system and, and user processes, etc. So there is existing OS9 level two code that does support two CPUs, just not for this specific hardware or the Coco 3 and Jim's specific hardware. So that would be the fastest route where you can just, you know, take that existing framework that's already been done and then just adjust it to the hardware that you want to run it on. Sweet. Which I think is what they're doing. But there was a ROM that came with the original Dragon beta they got from Dragon after they folded that actually has some of the dual CPU stuff in there. And they have an early version of the OS9 level two based on the Fujitsu one, I believe. From microware that actually supported this as well so this has actually got a bit of a head start compared to the rest well of since you since you done. are somewhat familiar with the internals of of nitrous 9 how hard would it be for you and team ease of use to implement a second cpu support is that like a huge rework it depends on current? how extravagant we get like if we told it to just do like you make it a math coprocessor equivalent where it's doing all math that would be pretty easy because we would definitely split out okay this chunk of code needs to move to this cpu and everything else stays here Graphics and stuff, because you're able to switch windows, you have to be able to tell it to switch, you know, this other CPU, like, don't draw that screen or draw this screen instead, because I want right. to switch with Taskmon. So that, that gets a little more complicated. So it depends on what parts you want to have 
multiple CPUs enabled for. Sound would be a good one because that you can run pretty well in the background and it has to run really fast anyway, especially if you're doing samples at a high you know, rate. Mm -hmm. So that would, be, that would be the one I'd probably push first. I'd make a, a separate one where it can run at three and a half megahertz like using Jim's board with its own 512K RAM for samples and have it just jam out the sound as long as you had something to plug the sound into where you basically the main CPU would just say, go play sample number three right now. And that's all it has to do. It just stores like a three into one IO address to tell the board. The second CPU, go play this sound sample. And then after that, it would just go back and you're, you're updating graphics, reading joysticks and doing whatever else. So mm. some things would be fairly easy. If you want like true multi-CPU where the program itself is getting two CPUs running actual code, well, then you got to synchronize everything, you know. This, this second CPU is trying to run this little chunk of code that's dependent on what the first CPU. It's just like doing... You know, if you remember the PC days of the dual graphics cards, the Voodoo's and stuff, that where you had to have them in sync, and you sometimes have weird tearing problems if they had the drivers not quite synced up, and that kind of thing would definitely happen if you if you're not really really careful. So if you well, have them for dedicated, it's okay. If it's generalized, that's much harder. I was going to say it shouldn't be any different than how most of the multi-core CPUs these days are, where each core's got to be synchronized. Yeah, but those have a lot of hardware assist to help that, which we don't. No, like no, those CPUs cool are designed for that. So, yeah. So I mean, so yeah. This is this is something that technically was never released. So they're they're rebuilding something that never really was available to the public. Once it's done and it's available, a whole new journey of developing an operating system and applications for it still has to happen. But there, I think there's enough people out there to be able to do that. Yeah. And the um, fact that Fujitsu FM77 yeah. did have full operational system support, the OS9 you get with that machine is dual CPU aware right off the top. Right. So you can use that as a base. You don't have to do it from scratch. Yeah, it's neat, though. It's neat that they're doing it. It's like. Uh... Yeah, I'm looking forward. I mean, this is something they've been trying to get going for a while because there was a couple of dragons that were actually in the works. The Dragon Professional was one that was meant more as a pure business machine, and this was like the really high end, you know, one that was going to rival a gimmicks type thing. Um, and both of them had prototypes made. Both of them they've been shown at some of the Dragon meetups and stuff. But uh, this is the first time anybody's actually tried to duplicate it now. Right. It would be kind of like if we were able to get a hold of the the blueprint of what the deluxe color computer would have been or you know the, the yeah. and, and then just create it just because we can create it, even though it never existed and there's no over-the-counter support for it just to create something that almost was is still kind of cool you know yeah yeah or, or like the original gimme with some of the extra features added on or the original rms you know motorola uh, rms system that was going to be before the gimme you you could do that fairly easily now with fpjs etc but it's it's kind of cool having yeah this. it would this almost have to be because we we went on a search for those rms chips when when we did that thing a, a few years ago and i reached out to so many different chip suppliers that supposedly had that part number and i think they're all just listing a part number from a similar source and this person would have to get it from that person or something else but i was never able to get any of those rms chips in the wild so i i almost think and again that's not it's not what i do there's people who probably could have a better chance of doing that than i do but I did take a crack at trying to find the chip, so I feel like those would have to be FPGA, though, just to be safe. Yeah, I, I think they were pretty rare. Yeah. I mean, one, they designed it originally supposedly to run on 6809 or 68000, and the 6809 side never did really work. That's one of the reasons they rejected it at Tandy. And the 68000 didn't really take off as a an, an often sold thing. There's a few systems I've seen advertised looking through old magazines that actually did have it, but not very many. It wasn't a main, mainstream chip by any stretch. 
Anyway, that's the end of the news for this. And week. that, as they say, is the news. Okay, we've been joined by Fred Pravacha. Hey, Fred, how you doing? Good to see you. I, yeah, I'm doing fine. Thank you. I've been double fisting my fruit cups, so my uh, coconut cup is now empty. So now to my backup now, I'm now breaking out my pineapple cup. So I've got dual fruit cups. I was prepared Man. for today's show. So, Where does uh, one buy a fruit cup like that? I'd love to have a pineapple cup like that. Well, I had to get this one on uh, Amazon where I get just about everything. But it's a cheap, crappy one. The one that Tim and his sister had actually looked really good. They were fuzzy coconut cups. And I think the ones that um, Amy, and Taylor, Amy and Taylor had were good. So this is the cheap, crappy thing that that i found i want to find a better coconut cup but actually this one i got at the fair last weekend really? we were at our county fair and there was a place that was selling iced tea by the jug and if you bought the collector jug this was the jug i got so it was a freaking <laughs> pineapple jug so i'm drinking my iced tea from a jug so cheers mm, i like yeah. it yeah what's going on fred anything doing exciting with you um well i uh i thought i'd jump on to uh give a project update on the control program uh, i don't know if you want to do it now or do a little well, bit we're later. kind of we're kind of in the updates and acquisitions mm -hmm. part of the show so okay cool very yeah. good um yeah i'll uh i'll jump into it then i'll uh if i may share my screen yeah, you got 13 seconds so use them wisely so okay. <laughs> 12 11 <laughs> All right. zero hour countdown right. okay so um Ooh. here we have uh here we have uh, MultiView, uh, G-Shell. Yeah. And so, you know, to get to uh, Control, of course, you go into the little Tandy menu here, and you select Control. And now, um, last time I uh, gave a project update, basically I, I was at the point where you could jump from one tab to another, but that was about all you could do. You couldn't actually do anything or change anything yet, uh, but now you can. And so, uh, so you can, you know, 80 these, yeah, these bat buttons are now active. They do stuff. Nice. Um, and, uh, over here you can change the palette of the, uh, of the G shell screen. Let me get this out of the way. There you go. Um, you know, and so you can, you know, change the values of each of the palette slots. And uh, hey, my eyes are starting to hurt. Yeah. Oh, um, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what it's for? Hey, it's nuclear green light. Yeah, it's a cocoa. You yeah. can never have too much green. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I yeah, it's all green because well, St. Patrick's Day is coming up, right? Yeah. So uh, I thought I'd make a green motif for the occasion. Uh, and so then the um, this Ooh, is the palette. I oh, like that screen. That is oh, nice. This is the palette that the. The rest of the system uses for like applications when you run them and stuff. And um, now you can change the the palette around uh, very easily using the presets. I think I've demonstrated this feature before. It now works uh, on this new version of. It's uh, kind of like themes, huh? Go ahead. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's like a, a color theme. So like um, like right now you've got this green motif uh -huh. theme going on. Kind of mint. So you can, it's kind of mint yeah, ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and you can change it to, uh, you know, red. Oh, that's for, like, to Valentine's or, Day. <laughs> yep, exactly. Or, uh, you know, teal. Uh -huh. um, you know, I've got a whole bunch of them in here. You Ooh, can blue steel. Oh, see. blue steel is nice. Blue steel is nice. I, that's one of my favorites, actually. Nice. It's, um, yeah, I like it's that, just, too. 
it's a combination of blue and gray. Yeah, and, it's a beauty. So it gives, it's mainly blue with like gray highlights, and, and uh, I, I like it. Yeah, I like that too. Um, and so you can create your own new presets, okay, by just, um, well, uh, here, let me exit there. You can, you know, change around these values, right. okay, all right, and, uh, whoa, that's, that's busy. Um, see, there we go. This is a dangerous feature, as you can see. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. If you, if this called this one the um, Ken Waters uh, results edition. Yeah, exactly. Uh, very hard to. Very I knew hard I recognized the it from somewhere. From the background. Yeah, so. so, so I've, I've changed the values here in each of the palette slots, and then you go back into presets, and you, you just, can save it, um, or by clicking Add. Yeah. Okay? And then you type in a new name, and then you've got a new preset and set it to the list here. Yeah. Um, I won't do it now just because this is a really yes. bad looking one. But, <laughs> right. um, no, this has to be one of those. If you don't make a change in the next 30 seconds, I'm reverting back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, it won't do that. But if you, like, try to exit the program, okay, save before exit, we're not going to save. We're going to quit. Yeah, no, okay. I'd set everything to black yeah. and be stuck there. Yeah. So now now it's kind of screwed up everything. But if you go back into control now, uh, you'll notice, hopefully, yes. Okay, okay. it reverted back. It loaded okay, it back. Because, so it reloads because I didn't save. save everything. I, I mm -hmm. exited without saving. So, yeah. So, so the active active color set was there, but the saved color yeah. set's this one. Yeah, and so um, you know, there's uh, settings for the mouse. You know, mouse port left or right, or high res or high low res. res. Yeah, my favorites. Yeah, exactly. And uh, second button uh, equals the clear key. You can turn that on or off here. That's the switch um, windows. Yeah, the switch windows. Um, exactly. Um, keyboard. Keyboard repeat delay. Keyboard repeats key. The key this is click. like the old Windows 3.11 control panel. You know, it's really cool. Exactly. That's kind of the idea is, is um, to create a, a settings control panel like mm -hmm. what Windows has. You know, and and so uh, whereas the old control program only you could only use it to change certain settings in the system, uh, this changes everything, or you have access to all of the settings that you can change through the environment file. Okay, uh, mm -hmm. that uh, that that you use to uh, customize uh, G shell and, and, uh, and the whole system. So, um, and so you can, um, like I said, it's now active. So the, the changes you make uh, can be saved when you exit the program and it becomes permanent, right? So like, for example, if I go back into G shell and I change it to 80 column, okay, now I'm gonna exit, okay, save, save, saving. I like the little the snoozy yeah. Uh, yeah. icon there. Um, that wasn't me that made that icon. It's, that was yeah, that was one that I found. existed a while back. Yeah, I found it on uh, the archive. Um, yeah. Anyway, so now if you uh, now in order for that change to take effect, whoa! I don't know. Oh, look at that! There. That's oh, cool. Okay, this is the joy not... of live demos, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Bill All right. So genius. now if we exit out of G Shell, okay. And then we run G Shell again. Cross my fingers that this works. Yeah, now Boom. we're in eighty columns. 
now we're on Edicoms. We're still okay? in the mint I, color scheme. Because mm-hmm. I changed, yeah, I changed the setting and then I saved it as I was exiting. And then when you're there's no way to, to tell G Shell to do a real time refresh of itself. There is. Um, if you wait, let's uh, exit out of this. But well, there sort of is, I guess. Um, if you go into view. Yeah, let's let's do this. Control seven. That works. Maybe the. Uh, oh, there clear we go. off and okay. come back on. Does it work? Oh, there you go. Um, so if you you can change the the um, the uh, you know the screen resolution of G Shell just by going into the view menu here, but. I, I think I see what you're saying. So, if uh, is is there a way for G Shell to like reload the environment file after you made that change? Dynamically, yeah. yeah, dynamically. Um, I don't think. Well, I don't know. Uh, files. No. It's yeah, I'd have to files. add that in. I don't think I have. That's that. some. Yeah, that would have, have to be a feature. Yeah, you would have uh, to force uh, basically partial reset, like when you first load G Shell. That would have to be a feature yeah. that's the, the reason it's not in there right. Yeah. The reason it's not in there right now is that you can do a temporary change for your current session only, which is when you you didn't do the save, and mm-hmm. then it'll leave the settings. Because if I force it to reload every time, you wouldn't be able to temporarily try something out to see do my icons, my games look okay in this color set. Yeah, and you'd could, be force loading it every time. Could you add a feature whereby you can you can as the user go into a, like a drop down menu from G Shell and force it to reload environment file? Um, yeah, I should be able to. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you could do that. Perhaps I don't know. Okay. Um, yeah. How many more features are you going to cram in here before the code freeze before the <laughs> right. next beta release? Right. I'm Good just questions. Curious. Good well, questions. So um, there's a few things that uh, that still need to be done. So for example, um, these drop down menus here, they don't work. <laughs> so you click on one of these. And all it does is refresh the screen. It doesn't change anything. Even the file menu here, like abandon, quit. Oh, wait, this does work. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, that one works. Well, I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> if I click on quit, you notice it doesn't quit. Okay. So abandon works. Those are just works. hooks, though. Those are just hooks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One line so, of code. So I have to, uh, and this is going to be making these, all these drop down menu choices. Uh, active and you know workable is actually pretty easy to do that I, I can probably get that done in the next day or two um, I can make all these uh, work actually um, beyond that um, this info drop down menu is new Let's go back here in- which info drop down menu the one far right the yeah, one's having a hard right. time getting his mouse pointer around. I'm trying to get, yeah, I'm trying to get. Okay, anyway, when you click on info, uh, drop down menu only has two things in it. There's about and there's help. Okay, so about. If you click on about, then a, a screen will, a little overlay window will pop up that has like credits and copyright notice. Okay, um, and then help will have a help feature which uh, is a. I'm, 
thinking of putting together like a brief tutorial that kind of shows you how to use the new control features. Um, I'm hoping to keep that small and that it doesn't get out of hand and become too big because that could be a big project in and of itself if I get too crazy with it. Um, and then, so that's that's really it. Just getting these uh, these drop-down menus to work, uh, adding the uh, the copyright notice and the credits and uh, the uh, the help feature, and then squashing bugs, and then it's done. So Neat. it's getting pretty close. That's nice. cool. That's cool. Yeah. Once, once you get those side ones like printer and stuff like that done too, I can remove those from the Tandy menu because you'll have that all in one yeah. single control program. Yeah, exactly. So printer, um, this uh, kind of uh, I, I kind of followed the original printer program and how it's laid out, uh, except I added a few more labels and now the screen looks really busy. But um, I don't know. I might some, make some changes to the screen still. Uh, system, startup, all these work. You can change the values of these. Uh, like, you know, I... Hey, would fonts be in there in this list on the left? The what, sorry? Fonts. Uh, oh, the fonts. Um, no, you can't update fonts through control. Um, no, that's... You just load those. Yeah. Not anything to control. You, you load them or you don't. Yeah, there's yeah. also special uh, font sizes that G Shell itself uses. So if you start swapping those around, it'll start screwing up the display too. So, right. yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so like, uh, here's one thing I want to show you. Oh, not that one. Which one is it? No. Oh, let's go back to G Shell. Okay. So storage devices over here, RBF. So. Um, there's kind of limited space for, to enter these devices. I think the maximum allowed is five. 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 Yeah. Right. So, it, so if you put more than three, it um, it puts the remaining ones down on the second row here. So, um, because there's kind of limited space to enter all that information, I have a little pop-up window. So, if you want to uh, add a device, right now. You have to retype everything. I might change that. But, like, for example, if you want to add an X1, which is a drive wire device, uh, and let's uh, add something else. Let's add, I don't know, H2 or, or, or D0. Why don't we do D0? Okay. See, now it uh, wrapped it around to the next line. Um, and the same thing is with the output devices, SCF, like printer and and uh and the term what is it terminal I, I forget what the t stands for anyway um yeah so uh it's coming along it's functionally done meaning that except for maybe the tutorial thing that i'm going to add um everything that the program is going to be designed to do can be done through the program now. Um, so I'm not really going to add any more features. Um, Feature creep is locked. Yeah, uh, except for, you know, except for the, the help slash tutorial thing. I'm going to add that, and that's about it. Yeah, and I should probably do some follow-up changes to GE Shell to enhance it a bit to, like, get rid of the printer and yeah. terminal options yeah. on the 
Tandy menu, for yeah, example. Yeah, this is better. Yeah. yeah, so I hope you like it. I'm I'm definitely open to uh, suggestions to improve it. Um, if uh, one thing that I I'm constantly kind of reviewing is whether whether the whoa what happened in there? <laughs> Interesting. Like I said, there's still bugs in here. I still have to squash. But um, you know, whether maybe some of these um, settings should be put under a different tab or not, you know? In other words, uh, you know, do I have the various settings organized in the best way, you know? Um, you know, maybe I should move one setting to a different tab or something. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm constantly you know, going over that in my mind, whether I should make changes like that. But um, so, yeah, any suggestions? I'm definitely open to it. Um, I didn't close it out. I think the program crashed and closed out. by. Yeah, that's a feature. <laughs> it, it knew you were done demonstrating, so it just <laughs> yeah. voice activated. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So hopefully uh, this will, you know, make um, customizing uh, your... Uh, Nitros 9 EOU experience uh, easier and, uh, oh, yeah. and uh, not more visual uh, more, use, more visual and more user friendly yeah absolutely so you don't have to go into the environment file and edit it uh, with the text editor yeah yeah with a text editor in order to change uh, settings uh, uh, I kind of I'm hoping that uh, yeah because some of the expanded settings that Bill and I have added you have to edit it because there's no other support for it yet except for in the text uh, editor so you're fixing that yeah that Clearing. Yeah, cool. yeah, exactly. That's nice. amazing. Release a 1.0, and we it can always be changed later. Yeah. But yeah, people got to test drive it. Yeah. So I think I'm going to call this uh, Control 3.0. <laughs> so like the stock version that came with the original MultiView would be like 1.0, and then the one that I released last year would be like 2.0, and this is 3.0. It's kind of how I'm thinking, but um, yeah. Anyway, um, mm -hmm. uh, this this should be done well before Curtis's uh, planned release date for the next release of EOU, and uh, also well before Coco Fest. Okay. So um, yeah, if we need this to get be... um, Brother Jeremy to sing a song to motivate you to release it, let us know. We can work on that. So. <laughs> uh, this this should be this should be totally done. I'd say within the next month. So yeah. Thank okay. you, Curtis and Bill. Mm -hmm. oh, and Fred. And Fred. Yeah. Cool. Thanks, Fred. Yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. Uh, thank you. Uh, glad I could have the chance to show it off. Yeah. Beauty. Beauty. Who else has got anything to updates acquisitions? Ron, were you going to show us your fancy new clicky keyboard? You're muted. All right. So, see. Here, <clears throat> there's Ron's garage. Are you seeing it? I see it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was uh, asked by Wayne to plug the um, t-shirt lady. <laughs> yeah. So I put that on. But you guys already covered it, so that's cool. This is the uh, <clears throat> posting I did for the keyboard, and this computer was 128k. The um, the old uh, Mylar just quit and I tried to open it up and I looked at the mylar and I tried to hold it up to light and figure out where the brakes were I couldn't find any and I had so, I bought some uh, 
it's that uh, silver stuff, you know, to put on the the, the uh, mylar to make it work. Again, yeah, the conductive I, I paint like they use on. Right. Uh, couldn't do it. So. Um, here's the uh, keyboard. All right, let me uh, let me zoom in on you. Okay, so right. for, from the surface, the we can't tell the difference. Ooh, click it some oh. more. Get it closer to no. your microphone. Get the keys closer yeah, the to your microphone. Up here, I think. Oh, it, be yeah. here then. Yeah. Oh yeah. But if you listen to another Coco, it doesn't sound any different to me. It feels clickier though, right? Uh, no. Okay. It feels exactly the same as, as their OEM. Okay. Very so, it's, so it's not supposed to sound any better or feel any better. It's just works. Yeah, like, it's whereas the perfect. other one was worn out. Yeah. But and, it's, uh, it's mechanical, though, isn't it, Rick? Yeah. If you look through the back, through the vent holes uh -huh. here, like he was saying, you could uh, make that switch to uh, have a Coco 2 version of the keyboard there. Right? Right. The, the, the main difference in this one is it doesn't the, the Coco keyboard clicks, if you will, when it bottoms out. This okay. one clicks somewhere in the down travel. And you can adjust where in the down travel it actually clicks. So there's a little bit of subtlety in it. If you're a touch typist, you might want it to click when you barely touch the key and not have to push it all the way down. You know, it's just a, it's a style thing, but okay. Yeah. You know, basically, I, I, it, it just work. <laughs> well, two, two things I'll say about the experience of putting it in. <clears throat> it's a little bit touch and go when you pull the, um, this, uh, hmm. mylar out and, um, you put that piece on and then you, you have to align it with the two pins that stick through. And um, you hold it with one hand, and then I have a shaky finger. <laughs> so you take this. Oh, we shaky. lost Ron. Ron. Shaky internet, Screw, too. and you put it in the hole, and uh. then you one-handedly um, put it out. Oh. You're back. Still there? You're back. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it's it's uh, touch and go. That, that, that part is a little nerving, unnerving. But all the um, springs and everything stand up and stay there, and it does work. It's work. You don't have to go messing around doing anything. Make sure all the screws look like they're all even. Um, and I didn't go and torque them any tighter. I just left it looking good. Turned it over and put it together, and it hooked it up to um, just uh, composite. And it worked great. All the numbers, everything work perfect so i guess the uh the only change would be to to have uh, phillips head on those <laughs> instead of torque <laughs> already arranged <laughs> thank you Mr. <laughs> okay it's in the pipe yeah, okay it's uh yeah it's, it's a good thing now what's going to happen is some of my other computers might fail down the road and I'll have to keep track of where this is <laughs> so I can pull it out and use it again. Because this thing will probably last forever, right? Right, right. Should be millions of clicks. I forget 1.2 or something. Yeah. So, yeah, it should be type onable for a while. Not 1. quite 1. 2, 1. 2, 1 million. million though. Neat. 1.2 million clicks. 
And Ron, does, does your version MG, have the switch uh, between uh, switching the arrow keys? Yes. Have you tried that on, yes. on games and stuff? Does that work okay? No. Um, you just have to stick something in the back, you know, through the vent holes and uh, switch it. Yeah, I'm supposed to have an A3 printed probably... lever to go in there, but it's I didn't get it yeah. done. Well, that's good enough. You know, uh, really, I don't myself i'm not a gamer so i'm not going to worry about the key the arrow keys or whatever so what happens when you flip the switch and you're switching the uh, up and down with the control alt the control alt become up and down too does it swap locations on the keyboard it doesn't swap it's just you have two up and downs one is the control oh, alt. okay so you lose control alt if you do that right for yeah. the duration of your coco 2 game you got no stinking control key yeah which <laughs> that that's that stuff was only really used by os9 anyway so for RS DOS stuff. That's only used for Coco 3 stuff because that was the only keyboard that had that efficiency. Right, so. right. That's a, but yeah. Yeah, depending on what you do, you may never need the Coco 3 mode on your Coco 3 because. Yeah. No, that's cool. Oh, yeah, yeah I, I felt it at uh, Coco Fest last year and it felt good. It felt clicky. It felt mechanically. So it felt better than normal Coco keyboard to me, anyways. Well, it's been over a year that this computer hadn't worked. And to get, you know, when he um, showed it last. Uh, Coco Talk. I thought well, I'm ordering it right now. Nice. I so I nice. did, and ordering it was perfect. There was no problem at all. <laughs> but on my particular computer, it froze right after I pushed the buy button. <laughs> it just kind of froze. <laughs> so I had to reboot. I don't know what happened. It's the first time it's ever happened. But and then I told him, make sure you send me a receipt, would you? And he did. And um, also. He sends you uh, a printout of uh, easy instructions, which I will show here. I don't know if you can see, but basically you get one one printed sheet. You get the uh, the screwdriver, which is an Allen key, like this. Okay. And then uh, you get a packet with all the screws in it okay. in a, um, a special container that he made. Okay. <laughs> and then I got my receipt. So nice. It was great. And it came pretty quick. I ordered it um like it came what day before yesterday. Where do you live? Milwaukee. I'm in, I'm in Arizona. So it, it came pretty quick. Nice. And like I say, I put it together before I took pictures because I was too excited to get it on, get it going, and uh I didn't take any pictures of actually assembling. How long did it take you to, to swap it out? Within half an hour. Now it has it has a replacement uh, edge connector to go back into the motherboard too for the keyboard connection itself. Yep, it fit right in. Yeah, I didn't have to play with it. Yep. This, we are using actual wire ribbon cable and a little circuit board on the other end, so it shouldn't wear out, break, crack. High quality. And then um, he also mentioned uh, you can spill on it and it would be okay all right Beautiful. we don't recommend you try that at home all the time but uh, <laughs> right <laughs> all right who else has got an update acquisition anything to share anyone anyone so here's something that kind of ties into that all right let me spotlight you rick okay keycad lets you shrink things right so i shrunk the keyboard down a small this keeps the original component sizes. And so here's a Raspberry Pi for 
for scale. Wow. <laughs> I don't know why you would want a working keyboard and a Raspberry Pi in a box approximately this size. Nothing like the Pi 400. <laughs> this is yeah, this is the the new this is the Pi 4. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's almost like you're making a Pi 400 now because that has the keyboard and everything. Yeah. Keyboard, plug the keyboard into the Pi, and you got a you got a working cocoa, except for the little bit about writing the code. Well, that and the, so here's the thing. Um, so you know, John Strong has that 3D printed case to put your um, Pi 400 keyboard in. Right, right. And then it also has the little holder if you want to put a Pi 4 in there and use your own keyboard. If you could make that keyboard work in John Strong's case and make it USB, then boom, it becomes a Pi 400 keyboard for a case that already exists. Right. This um, is this this is a little bit different project because it's just a Coco keyboard. So I'm going to need the Pi's hardware bus to decode the keyboard. Ah, okay, okay. Or you could do a USB adapter. It's Paul little... Fiscarelli's little keyboard adapter would be perfect for that project. Interesting. I just thought it came out interesting. You could you could actually make a keyboard that you could a Coco you could type with your thumbs. Yeah. <laughs> you mean it would be uh, MC Tennish? MC Tennish. Smaller. Yeah. About three quarters smaller. I mean, it's well, you know, um, I don't have a banana. <laughs> yeah. No, that's neat. But yeah, it, it, I just thought it was interesting. But so, what's the deal on that Coco vector? Oh, this is the one that I'm having trouble with the network card. Uh, Henry Strickland sent me a Coco two that doesn't work with my card, and uh, I've been. Now you have doesn't some... have any Cocos that don't work, which is yeah, really hard to troubleshoot. So it's kind of hard to fix. So now I have one that doesn't work. And a card that doesn't work. So once I fix that, I should be gold. Um, at least I get to play with my newest, my, well, now old oscilloscope. And uh, do some electronic-y things. Kind of a Coco Hobby sort of thing going on here. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. We can nail that down because, you know, at this point, I would have to send everyone two of them and then say, whichever one doesn't work, send back. <laughs> that's not a good business model so so is that black thing with the shelf on it actually a light at the top oh yeah that's my uh yeah that's one of my diverted light system here interesting diverted or diffused diffused yeah so there's three of them ranged around the room so Makes more sense. I don't end up staring at a light when I kick back in my easy chair, dead at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. Anybody else got anything? Updates, acquisitions? Just want to remind everybody that uh, Coco Fest is only two months away, guys. Cool. Got a cool. Only got about 15 tables left, so if you haven't reserved one yet, now might be the time to do so. And one other thing, too, I would suggest uh, look into your stockpiles and see if there's anything you would like to donate for the auction, because we'll be more than happy to take it. And if you're not going to Cocoa Fest for whatever reason and you do want to donate something, get in touch with me because we will pay for short shipping fees for those items. Oh, nice. I have one small update on my Tandy 1000 work in project. 
uh, work in progress thing. So, you know, I, I showed you guys that Tandy 1000SX I got last week. Um, I, I did take it apart. I did try to see if I could test the power supply by itself just to see if it would turn on. Um, I posted some pictures in the Tandy 1000 group on Facebook. I got some feedback from there. Some people say that the power supply might not keep spinning if it's not connected to anything. Like it might, you know, shut itself down. So the two things I didn't have when I was working on it was number one, I didn't have a voltmeter to test anything with as far as, you know, voltage or continuity. I ordered one. I now have a voltmeter. The other thing I wanted to do is I wanted to remove the um, RF kind of tinfoil cardboardy bottom layer of that motherboard and that had these little prongs that it was kind of clipped in with and I didn't have any needle nose pliers so I ordered a little kit of those too so I'm going to go back to stripping that thing down and then I'm going to be in the same point where I'm now starting to venture into areas that are outside of my area of expertise so I'm hoping of all our hardware knowledgeable people here maybe I can do something where I could webcam it on Discord or something, and I get a few people to tell me what I should be looking for with this voltmeter on the power supply and on the bus and things like that, because I'm not exactly sure what I need to be testing, but I'll at least have a super stripped down, clean motherboard and power supply that I can hopefully determine what the heck is wrong with um, pretty I, soon. I would suggest wearing a mask for the smoke that might come out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, <laughs> the Cocoa Fest fixed Stevie's cocoa here. Yeah, but luck luckily, too, I did reach out to uh, Pedro Pena, Rocky Hill. So if if I can't figure it out, he's more than willing to look at it for me and when his schedule permits. And if I'm going to do that, I'm going to probably line up a few other cocos I have that have miscellaneous issues with RAM or keyboards and things like that. And I'll just come up with a little small stack of things for him to bring back and work on in his spare time but uh, i do want to try to see what i can't figure out on my own with this thing because it'd be kind of fun and what i fear may happen is that i may actually start to dip my little pinky toe into the water of that which is minor uh you know technical operations of soldering and desoldering and probing at least with with voltmeters and stuff you know so i might start getting into the the shallow end of the hardware retro pool who knows right so um, Coco repair in Florida. <laughs> I'll, ne I'll, I'll never be a circuit designer, but I might be, turn out to be a competent tester and possible solder, desolder person. Who knows? There's hope, right? Well, um, you definitely won't burn your hair. So. <laughs> You're going to have videos like that guy that burns up stuff and shocks himself. And <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Right. <laughs> Um, it'll be the Coco version of Jackass. That's what he'll be. Right, right, right. I so. thought that was just Coco talk. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Uh, all right. So, anything else? Anyone? Anyone? No? Okay. Uh, well, short show. It's amazing what we can do when we don't have an interview, right? We can well, actually. Can I just yeah. say one, one last thing? Sure, Rondevo. We facts. We facts. All right, everybody, take a drink. Everybody, take a drink. <laughs> we facts. Uh, all right, cool. Uh, Dave and Sharon says the voltmeter is our friend. All right, that's Mr. Dave. He should know. Um, yeah, I can't believe it is. Uh, so also just on the kind of personal news, um, with um, which I mentioned to you guys before the show. So one of my challenges is every year I always say I would love to drive to Cocoa Fest because I can bring, hopefully bring stuff down, 
bring things back. Um, you know, but for me driving from Florida, it's an 18 to 21 hour drive, which I don't want to try to do in one day. So then it becomes a two day thing, which for me means I've got, it's a six days, it's a six day trip, right? Two days there, two days at Cocoa Fist, Cocoa Fest two days home. The problem with me being self-employed and I have to provide support for my business clients, I do IT support, anything can and will happen, I might need to be somewhere. And it's hard to be somewhere in Florida when I'm up in Ohio or whatever, Illinois, where I'm at, right? So so that's been the challenge is being able to break away from that. But I, I, I am trying to negotiate a kind of a retainership with another person like myself who's local, who does you know on-site repairs. So I'm hoping that I can just say to this guy, hey, I'm going to Cocoa Fest. I'm going to throw you a couple hundred bucks to be on call. And if they need me, I need you to drive your happy ass out there and take care of whatever I can't do remotely. So I'm hoping with that relationship, that will open up the doors of me making more of these uh, road trips to these events like VCFs and, and Cocoa Fest because it is nice. Um, like th- there was a time I was at VCF Midwest. I could have got a full Apple II system with monitors and all that kind of good stuff for not a lot of money. But you can't put that on a plane, you know. So, um, so it'd be nice to be able to make that spontaneous purchase and know that you can drive it home. Or, like I've got things I have I have to bring this year. I, like a couple years ago, I I got for Eric Canales, I, and they've been sitting in my garage forever. But I've got eight laser disc players, and these things are like nine foot wide. They're Gigunda laser disc players, and I've got a stack of them. There's no way I'm ever going to get these things to Eric unless I drive them. You know what I mean? So I've got to drive to Chicago one of these years, right? So um, we got that going. I've got this, uh, the Motorola development system. I think I was going to bring that up and show that off and maybe let Jim Brain hold on to it so he can parade it around to the shows that he goes to because he goes to a lot more uh, Midwest shows than I'll be able to attend. So I've got a bunch of stuff I need to bring up there. Um, So I'm hoping to be able to drive to Cocoa Fest this year. Um, if all works out with that, um, so that's a whole other challenge, right? The two day drive, but that, that'll be fun if I can work out that challenge. Cause, uh, yeah. $9 a gallon. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that might be a deterrent at that point yeah. too. Right. Yeah. The price of gas and the number of miles per gallon that, that might, it might. Yeah. yeah so. Well, has, um, has the price of gas started hitting the airline flights yet? Cause that's going to happen too. If it stays mm, up. Not sure. We're high. Not sure. Nope. Oh, oh, so everything so too, speaking of Ziff sockets, right? What uh, we were showing that off earlier. I, I was trying to compare the CPU on my Tandy 1000. Cause I had pulled one out of my other Tandy 1000 and I did not pull it out completely gracefully. So I did have a bunch of crooked legs on there. And um, I have these like plastic guitar picks that are kind of like for, opening up smartphones and things like that from my little uh, mini uh, computer repair kit and these little plastic guitar picks where i was able to like pry out the legs and straighten them up and all kinds of stuff so the most unlikely of of wedge tool i was able to kind of fix some computer legs on uh, on that cpu and the thing that i thought was really interesting was of all my tandies uh, they all of the cpus are not made um by intel one of them was made by amd and the other one i think was made by siemens so they're like third party makers of the intel but it does say on the bottom copyright intel 78 but the manufacturer name is different on both of my two different tandies one has a amd manufactured intel chip the other one was a siemens manufactured one so i'm like wow that's go figure right so in fact amd's entire reason for being was to be a second source for intel chips right everyone I can tell. Right, that, right, right. Live. So, <laughs> Back in the day when the federal government required two sources, <laughs> like it did. 
Okay, so we have some suggestions from Chris Duras here. Um, he says, uh, Cocoa Fest in Florida. Great idea. It'll be the antidote for Cocoa Fest Blues because he wouldn't do another one in November, but in sunny Florida. We could do it on a cruise ship. <laughs> the Cocoa, the Cocoa cruise. Fest Cruise. Oh, right? oh, oh my God. Right? I love it. We might get a copyright hit for that one. Oh, we could do it. We could do it. I believe in you. All right. So, all right, cool. We're going to press the button, Frank. Thanks, everybody, for being here uh, in the live chat and on the panel. Mark O and L. Curtis and Patrick Newland yep. and Ken Waters and John Schaller and Ron Delvo, Fred Provencia, Nick Morentes, Alan Murphy, Mark Bosley, Grant Leedy, David Ladd, and myself, uh, and to Chris Duris and B. Rye and Mr. Dave and David Craker and Retro Rewind and Mark Siegel and Erroneous and TJ Ferreria, that's the excitable MC10 guy, and Sixie was out there, and uh, Rocky Hill, Pedro was out there, uh, OG Hugo, who said he was the biggest fan of uh, Amy and Taylor, and so many people, so many people out there in the live chat. Yeah, Amy was Thanks in there earlier, too. Tom Eric Gunderson, Amy was here. There's so many people in the live chat, can't get them all. Dave and Sharon, Daddy Burrito, uh, Rocky Hill, Erico was here earlier, and Mark Siegel, and Fractal, that was Amy, and uh, John Mounts was here earlier, and D. Bruce Moore stopped by to say hi, Explore was here, um, so many people, not hey, enough time to thank a, them all, Amy said, a, woo, yeah. If you guys get a chance, go to show us your Tandy Color Computer, I put a, a whole bunch of um, uh, people people's pictures you know of various old pictures of people playing on a cocoa and it's pretty interesting to look at okay check it out show us your candies all right Sounds also a reminder good. for next week that uh, tim and aj will be our guests from the tim and aj Rivalry will be podcast. our guests there we go erico montario is still here he's good amy's here david craker's here so many people scott cooper you name it they were here all right, we're going to play the outro. I've got to fix this because I didn't fix it from last week. Last week, the outro was playing the um, Coco Talk after dark. Oh, Ma Maiden Ariana says hi. She's been watching too. And we were just showing the pictures from VCF from last year. We got to meet Maiden in person. Nice to meet you and nice to see you again, Maiden. John Mount says I'm still here. All right, so I'm going to hit the outro. It's going to start off with the outro dark, after dark outro, which I'm a fan of. But we're going to fix that so we play the normal outro. So hold on one second here. All right, hold on one second while we fix the After Dark outro. This concludes another episode of Cobra Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Core computer, MC10, and Dragon systems. For all things Cobra Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click on the Patreon link on our website, cocotalk.live. CocoTalk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, I'm trying and to line up some other game developer interviews, too. Alan so. Murphy, Amigos Retro Game, see if I can Bill Noble, Brian Joyce, But Brian we're going to get back to the schedule of only more. having no more than Deep one every two more. Danny O'Connor, David Ladd, 
We need Eric more Charles, hardware developers George to put Jansen, Stevie to sleep. Grant Levy, James. Disney oh, I'll have some of those too. I just, Jason Wright. There's a couple I've been pursuing for a while here on the game. Ken Wright. Ken Waters. Something next week. Mark Bosley. Mark Overholzer. Smile, Mikey Stevie. Furman, Mr. Dave six three zero nine. Nick Morentes. Nick Morona. Nick Morona. <laughs> Nick Morona. Paul Fiscarelli. Richard Lorbieski. I just like realized, because now I changed things for After Dark. We're talking over the outro right now, and that's okay. Samuel Gimes. And that's... Malibu. Okay. Terry Steggy, Tom C., and many, many more. Please help support the Coke community. A list of various contributors and resources are available at... I'll remember that for the next time. Wait, where's my yodeling pickle? Yeah, eight bits in the basement was here too. Hey, eight bits. Copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. The new is there a guy from France? Yeah. Copyright 2020 by D. Bruce Moore. Les Français. Mastered and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Coco forever. The Irishman from France. Yes. All right. So yeah, because I was playing around with the outro and how uh, system sound versus video sound was happening as these guys were talking, they were talking over the outro, not knowing it, me not knowing it. And that's okay. Um, Great show. Thanks, everybody. I love it when I can be done and I'm not even hangry and I've still got time to, I'm not worried about what's for supper. I'm still on, I can actually plan what I'm going to have for supper at this point in time. This is a good show for me when my stomach is not going crazy it's a beautiful thing thank you guys thank you audience next week we have the sibling rivalries right tim linder that guy playing dagrath like that idiot from the book and his sister are going to be here we're going to talk about their they got 20 episodes already and we're going to find out about that and all as they say as all the juicy details right so say goodbye everybody bye everyone Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye, See ya. All right.